Hello, and welcome to episode 164 of Gaming Fix. I am your one of your hosts today, Pat. Andre is out, so I'm doing the honors of introing us. Uh, joining me this week is Sam. You're not Andre. That's correct. I'm not Andre. And Alex. Hi, I'm watching Sam's video feed, which involves a very fluffy cat swatting his tail <laughs> all up on the microphone. It's too bad you don't have video, like you're not recording video, because it would be yeah. fun to sync up the noise that that cat tail made <laughs> with whatever shows up in the waveforms, because I'm sure it's going to be a like, whoosh, very loud a whoosh, noise. I can see a bash. He moved the microphone. Yes. Yeah, so we have... Um, we have some video games to talk about this week, and perhaps uh, an, an, an visual, an animation of a visual novel to talk about briefly. We'll see. Uh-huh. It's a teaser. Um, but before we get into the episode, we just wanted to take a quick moment to say that there was some really horrific violence committed this week in uh, the United States against the uh, Asian community, and it's um, unfortunately a common occurrence here to see racist hate driven crimes like this. Um, and it's important to us to remain like actively anti-racist as a cast. So we wanted to quickly hit on it before we get into this week's episode um, and recommend that you give a look at the resources that stop AAPI hate offers and consider donating to them. They're a larger organization that works across the nation. So uh, if you know of local resources and um, places that you can donate within your community, I would uh, I would recommend and encourage you to look at those and to um, donate to those too, uh, in particular organizations that work with sex workers, because um, that was a, a community that was hit really hard from this violence uh, directly. Um, and just remind everyone that uh, if you listen to the show and if you're part of our community that it's we don't tolerate racism or or hatred of this kind and that we are just like could not be more supportive of uh, our friends across the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. Um, I think I can safely speak for everybody when I say that. So um, do your best to remain actively anti-racist in your own communities and to foster that among the people that you know as well, because it's imperative that we and this just like epidemic of hate that runs across this country and the whole world, frankly. So I don't know if you guys had anything else to add, but I wanted to hit that quickly. No, fully agreed. No, absolutely. Fully agreed. Cool. There was a, um, uh, comics podcast that is like full of comic skate people. And they were basically making jokes about it. And Zack Snyder Mm. called them out on Twitter and they were like, what? I thought you were our friend, Zack Snyder. It's like no, nobody is nobody is going to sit here and let you make jokes about racist violence. Yeah, that's good. That's positive. I mean, positive that he had that re- response. Absolutely. So we're going to get into it. I think um, it's important to uh, to to call this stuff out and talk about it, and then we also want to provide the rest of the episode as a place to um, kind of have some fun, enjoy talking about some games. Um, but, uh, I, as always too, if anybody ever wants to talk about this kind of stuff, um, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We're always, we have an open inbox for any kind of chatting about all of this stuff. And even if you want to learn more about what being anti-racist means, um, but, uh, yeah. So with that in mind, um, 
let's see. I see here that somebody played, somebody brought only free to play games this week. Sam. So tell me a little bit about <laughs> somebody. I try, I was like, who, what, who has multiple things that I can group together into one segment? Um, and the first one that you list here is one that I tried to get into and bounced off really hard. So I'd like to hear about why you like it. So um, while uh, so, some some days of the week I spend some time with Peter and he's just kind of like chilling and watching TV and stuff. Um, but he is very against me doing anything interesting, <laughs> like reading a book or like um, reading a comic or playing a game or something. He's just like, no. But he doesn't seem to care all that much when I play Ark Knight, the uh, visual novel strategy RPG. He says um, it's kind of like says, this tower defense game, I guess. He says this doesn't look interesting at all. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. What a discerning young man. <laughs> Get him on the podcast. Um. So, Ark Knight is a um, tower defense game mixed with a post-apocalyptic visual novel. Um, you are the leader of like an armed force that operates out of a place called Rhode Island, which I don't know if it's <laughs> Rhode, <laughs> Rhode Island or not, or Rhodes Island. Um, a place called if, Rhode Island. How's it spelled? Yeah. Is it R-H-O-D-E? It is R-H-O-D-E. That is Rhode Island in the United wow. States. That I didn't is, know. I think it's called Rhodes Island in oh, okay. Arknights. Oh, so uh, it's it's man, set in the Marvel universe then. The idea yeah, of there you go. this, it's like, oh, we're gonna go to Delaware or something like that. <laughs> yes, I um, don't know where any of it's been set currently. Probably doesn't matter. Like, um, I'm probably like five or six hours into the story. Um, I finished the first chapter and I've had the first boss encounter. Five or um, six hours. Wow. I, that's imp- I'm. I didn't realize you played that much. No, I like. I haven't. I've been playing like off and on over the last few weeks. Like you know, you know, with any free to play phone game, you jump in, you do your dailies, and then you're like, oh well, I'll just like crank out a couple of story missions. Um, just crank it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crank it out while you're playing your phone games. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the story is kind of like they don't really explain very much, like. I'm still in the very, very opening phase um, of the story, it feels like. Someone has told me that Arknights gets good at chapter 14. Um, Which which chapter are you currently in? I think I've just finished chapter one. Wow. Uh, Sam, you should just play like Final Fantasy 14 remotely on your phone. Cats scratching to get out of the door. <laughs> cats are chaotic um, today. There's a lot of there's a lot of scratching on this. There's a lot of cat chaos uh, behind yeah. Sam. Yeah, and and uh, for your note, and the listeners will already know, I'm leaving all that stuff in. I'm not going to oh, yes. edit it out. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like offensive. It's no. just funny. It <laughs> so uh, I tried to play Ark Knights, and I found the tower defense to be kind of. Not amazing, but I also only played it for like a half an hour, so <laughs> I fully accept that I didn't really give it a chance. Do yeah, you like, find I, that oh, the gotcha elements are like compelling at all? 
then uh, while Sam's walking away, I'm going to provide to to Corral his cat. I'm going to provide some context for that question. So, like, I think Genshin Impact, which is a game I've kind of not been um, playing recently, but I plan to get back to. Genshin Impact is uh, the it's fun to get the new characters because they're great designs, but you can play the game without worrying about that stuff. You don't really need to ever spend money on it to play through the story. So I'm wondering if like Arknights is kind of in that sweet spot of like, you don't really have to spend money if you don't want to, but it's fun too, because you get these cool characters. Yeah. I think that is a lot of it. Um, You don't get all the characters that are in the story straight away, which is quite cool. Yeah. So yeah. um, Like you, there's characters that are like, semi big in the story and they're really involved but you don't you don't get those right away um and the thing about arc knights is that you need that variety and you need a large number of units because you want to be using like the best units for particular situations and the more of that unit that you pull from the gacha you the you know the higher quality you can cr- make the original units because you kind of um like you sacrifice the you old feed one. them to each other. Yeah. Oh, it's one of those uh, games. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's how Genshin's uh, weapons work. The characters you don't feed characters to each other, but you do you do feed the weapons to each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I think I think the interesting thing about Arc Knights is that the the strategy stuff does get a lot harder, but okay, it opens cool. real easy. Um, to the point where I didn't get less than three stars on a level without trying until like halfway through chapter one. Um, but also, I think that was the case is because now the game's been running for a while. When you join in, they give you a lot of stuff. Um, they give you probably a lot more than they would have given you early on in the, in the game's run. Um, so, like, I have like multiple six star characters, which are the best quality you can get. So I can field like three six star people straight away, um, which makes the game quite easy, um, or at least it made the game quite easy originally. Um, they do some stuff later on where they're like, "Oh, while you and your team are out doing this, um, the base is being attacked," and they give you a set squad. They're like, "This is who's available," so you have to run with it. And well, like the first one of those missions I got, the characters were like five to ten levels lower than mine and like all three and four star interesting that almost sounds um, like x commie with that that part of it which is kind of interesting so um yeah it, it okay so it is an isometric one uh, one of these right it's not like sanctum where you're first person or anything like that no it's um it's basically like you have this gr- a grid map and you drop a unit onto the grid and it doesn't move it stays stationary um, yep. in like tower defense style and then different types of units come at you from different directions so sometimes you might have like oh I've got like one goal to protect on this side and they've got two like spawn points but yep. then another time it might just be a wide open lane and there's four goals to protect all in one huge line and the enemy's got like six different points of ingress Interesting. Um, and so you're able to route them then? Like, can you place blocks and things of that that nature? Yeah, you can place blocks. They don't teach you that for a while. Um, <laughs> so the block placing stuff comes in at the beginning of chapter two. Um, the storyline so far is interesting. Uh, I think the best thing about the game is the character designs. Um, yeah. The characters all look incredible. 
Yes. Um, the art style is really cool. And every time you pull a new one, you're like, oh, this is like a completely that's, different look of character. That's I mean, the thing. I, for the longest time, I told myself I would never play a gotcha game that wasn't licensed because why on earth would I give a shit about spending money to get characters for when there's like, no, I'm going to play a game with Star Wars characters or Marvel characters or at least characters from an anime that I like. But the th- thing that I learned from playing Grand Blue Fantasy is like, if they make the characters fucking awesome, then you want them. And Grand Blue Fantasy has a ton of licensed stuff too. But that's sure. fed over into get- my appreciation for Genshin Impact is like when you play the story. I played the the opening like six hours of that story, and there's a major character that they don't give you for free. And then I happened to pull him, and he's a five star, which is the best you can get in that game. And I was like. Fuck yes. Way more excited than I would have been if I had just pulled a variant Iron Man in Contest of Champions, even though I love Iron Man. So sure. Arknight seems cool. like it does have yeah. those cool um, character designs. Would you say that it's the kind of game you can like play semi-passively? Because I am definitely looking. There's been a lot of like shows and movies I've been wanting to watch. And so I am kind of looking for something I can just sort of mindlessly toss stuff around on on the phone but if it's the sort of thing where i have to like stop and read visual novel sequences every 10 minutes that seems like it's rough to do that with so there's always going to be like at the stage i'm at there's a short visual novel section before every fight and there's a short visual novel section after every fight Um, and the fights are about three minutes um you can double speed everything but then you also like you have to have Double speed reactions. I want the story, um, but but I also think it's like I want the story to be like, you know, a couple pages of a comic book kind of so I could read it ostensibly in a during a lull in a movie or show or whatever. So the cool thing is when you recruit somebody, I've just opened it up. You get like it just like dumps a duffel bag on your screen and then you have to unzip it. And the color oh of the God. the color of the glow from the file is what rank character you get. I do. This I is do a three like star that. pull, so it's terrible. <laughs> That's um, so that amazing. person is that person has no worth. This is Ansel. He's a medical intern, so obviously he sucks. <laughs> um, He's just in his residency. Don't don't be mean to poor Ansel. <laughs> well. He shouldn't suck as much. Is it? Well, this is the second answer. I'm going to give, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give okay. it a shot. This one is. This is Spot. So this this guy is is a dog wearing a hoodie and a leather jacket, and he's got a big metal shield. Right. So he's a lot I'm cooler than Ansel, but he's still trash because he's three star. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it another shot. Unfortunately, I think I installed it and then played it for a half an hour. So of course, what'll happen if I install it again is it'll be like pick up where you left off, and that's not. Hopefully I can reset my progress or something. I didn't spend any money on it, so. Well, this is my favorite unit. She's got one horn and a giant triangular shield, and she's just extremely cool. So she's like Pyramid Hand. Yeah. Hoshiguma. Um, there's another character called Bagpipe who has a bagpipe that's a gun. Okay, I'm in. you done. <laughs> we don't need to talk about this game anymore. I'm sold. <laughs> I literally, like, she How? came up on the... She was on the enha- enhanced rate of drop, and I was like... Mm, should I put some money in so I get me a bagpipe? And then I decided <laughs> against it. How, how is there not like a League of Legends character or something that has a bagpipe gun? Or like, how has that not been? 
or like a Team Fortress weapon that's a bagpipe gun. Gun. There's gotta be. I guarantee you that there right? is a MOBA where a character has a bagpipe gun. I don't know if you're listening. Um, what's our email address? Do we just gaming at fix gaming fix gaming at fix dot space? Right, right, right. Andre always reads it, and I don't pay attention when he reads it. Uh, email us at gaming at fix dot space <laughs> if you know if you do that, then I don't know. I'll do something. I don't know what it is yet. If you find us a, a, learn, a character with a bagpipe. You'll learn how to play the bagpipes. If I could afford to purchase bagpipes, I would definitely learn to do it, although my partner would probably murder me. Probably. They're extremely I, I loud. They're extremely <laughs> loud. They're so <laughs> loud. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, Arknights is, Arknights is good. It's one of those games that I'm playing like Sometimes I'm playing it 10 minutes a day and sometimes I'm sitting down and playing an hour um, okay. like while I'm hanging out with the kid or something and he's just chewing something or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll reinstall it. I'll give it a look. Hopefully it's something I can play while I'm watching movies and stuff. Um, I don't know if you've tried it, Alex, but like, I think the visual novel aspect of it would appeal to you because it's, like, it's just a... So far, it's a fairly strong post-apocalyptic story. Um, basically, all the characters on your side have like a disease or something they're like infected and the infection makes them like and like the middle stage of the animorphs like they've all got animal parts <laughs> that's awesome i actually really like that some of them yeah. are more animal than others there's one guy who's just like a big lizard um there's a character Same. called silver fox who basically is tuxedo mask but with white hair and cat ears god all this sounds you know, great. You know what <laughs> I want? Fox is S tier. I want someone to, if you're listening, this is a free one. I want someone to make a gotcha game. And I don't know what genre it would be in, but don't make it free to play. Charge me $50, $60 for it and make all of the gotcha earning elements like just in game currency. XP style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like I'm, you're, because mm. like, okay. I think I've mentioned it before, but I super love the old Yu-Gi-Oh games on Game Boy because Game Boy Advance, I think, um, because it was like you were playing Yu-Gi-Oh cards and you had to earn money in the game. The Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy was like this, too. You had to earn money and go through a story and you went to like a little card shop in the game to buy your packs of cards. I want that, but for gotcha games where it's like paid a pay and maybe this exists maybe there's some jrpg out there that does this and and someone can also write in and tell me about it uh but that's what i want i want a gotcha game that i don't actually have to put any money into and that it's more like well i spent like this is like all of my currency that i ground grinded for for the last three hours do i really want to spend it on this but make it reasonable instead of the way that the free currency works in actual gotcha games where it sucks That'd be fun. I would love that. I love uh, Pokemon trading card game. And I feel like, I don't know, why isn't someone out there who makes a card game making a game like Pokemon trading card game, you know? Because they can make more money money if they charge you for packs. (laughs) I played Magic Arena last week and the game game is so good that I was like, I'll I'll buy into a draft for 10 bucks. Why not? This game's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. um anyway that is arc nights uh and maybe we'll hear more about it in the future ish 
Um, the other game that you've played, I'm glad you're bringing because I kind of loaded up my games list that I'm bringing because we have a smaller cast this week, but I also played this and that is uh Fortnite's new season. Yeah. Um, so season end activity was really cool and I liked that yes. it was available for everyone yes. whenever you wanted to play it. Yes. Um, similar to, to your objections with the Galactus thing. Um, like I enjoyed playing the Galactus thing live, but I could because it was at like 5 PM. I'm already, I wasn't working. I'm over it already. It's whatever. I, um, the Travis Scott thing is the thing that I'm really glad I got to see because that, mm. that was really cool. But um, I did not see that. Uh, um, but also, I I barely know who Travis Scott is. Um, yeah, so like, uh, I, I crafted a weapon yesterday. The new thing in Fortnite this season is crafting. It's really interesting, too. Uh, it took me a really long time, and I did not enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um the game that I came second, I landed in um the there's like a mechanics shop out right on the edge of the map mm-hmm. and just by complete coincidence the final circle ended up being like a hundred yards to the left of it. Mm-hmm. So I just stayed in that area, my like getting resources and trying to craft stuff. Um and like upgrading so like i upgraded my assault rifle to like a a good one and that sort of stuff yeah Um, i'm i'm the one thing i don't so there's crafting and in order to craft things you have to pick up materials from um hunted animals and mm. from like trucks and stuff can and trailers can drop machine parts um and then you just hit tab and go into like a crafting menu (laughs) And then you can upgrade weapons through the crafting menu. Uh, and it's I think it's really interesting, and it's like a huge change to the game. Like yeah. massive strategy shift. I wonder how much they balance test this stuff before they put it into practice. I know they have like a small testing community that's mostly like family and friends of Epic employees. Um, the biggest issue I have, kind of to your point, is it seems like the materials are slow to get and yeah, very slow. Given it took the, me like 20 minutes to get enough to upgrade an assault rifle twice. I think that game is at its best. I played, I haven't really talked about it much in the cast, but I played a shitload of it in the last month because, uh, I was playing to finish off my battle pass and my best guard quests, which I did. Um, and to me, that game is at its best when you're like playing super fast, when you're just like, okay, I have a green gun and I'm going to go find somebody to fight because that's more fun than sitting in a room and hiding. And since you can get into games so quickly, it doesn't feel like you are, there's tons of downtime between games, but with this crafting thing, you have to play much slower. I feel like to take advantage of it. Um, And I do think that that's less enjoyable than playing it at a faster pace. So I wonder if they're going to perhaps over the course of the season make adjustments to the rate at which like animals spawn and stuff. I've not because, seen an animal to kill in a game. Like I saw yeah. some chickens. I've not seen anything else. They count. So if you have a quest yeah. to hunt animals, chickens and frogs count. Um, but like I have played probably 15 games this season so far. A lot of them very fast. Um, I played for like a few, a couple hours, two, three hours this week. And I think I saw two wolves in that whole time, and I was actively looking for them because I was trying to complete a quest to hunt animals. So, um, 
Yeah, it's. I think that maybe they need to increase those spawn rates a little bit, but they have to be careful how they balance it too, because if everybody is getting the crafting materials quickly, that doesn't work as well. You can pick them up from people you kill. So if they have like bones or whatever on them, then it picks them up when you kill them. Uh, but it's 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 certainly interesting, and the map changes are really cool. I do like that a lot. I think it's neat to have like a totally new space to play in. Yeah, I did. Um, I was trying to get the golden object stuff in the center. So I spent a lot of time around the center of yeah, the, the pain um, in the ass. Yeah, I've only got one so far, um, but I spent a lot of time kind of milling around that center, and I assumed that it would be full of people also trying to get the golden objects. But I was the only person there the whole time. Really, when I was playing, I, I it definitely was full of people, um, so it was a little frustrating. I did do it though; I, I managed to get them. Um, but uh, yeah, the new map changes. Like in the past, there was a huge desert in the center of the map. Uh, with crystals sticking out of it and the zero point was floating over it. But now there's like this big spire with these kind of Adobe like structures around it, which is very cool, huge change. And in general, the map is a little more like wooded and the ranges feel like they've been toned down from the last season, like how far you could see people away because there's more trees and stuff. So it's really cool. I I'm, I haven't played through a season transition in Fortnite before so to go to bed and have the game be one way and then wake up and have it be totally different the way that it is is really cool um i I think it's really fun and i get why that game has had the staying power that it has if they're doing these kinds of transitions every few months uh and i'm excited to to play more of this season for sure battle pass has some great items in it too the Lara croft stuff is cool are those changes like when they change the map significantly is that something that's exciting because you're learning new stuff or is it daunting? Cause it's like, Oh man, there's a lot of new stuff to learn or, you know, like is the fact that everybody's on the same page kind of like even all of it out. I don't know how you feel, Sam. I would, I think it's exciting cause no one knew what was coming. So that was the thing that's most exciting to me is that it's like, Oh, this whole new system and all this new stuff that's, and, and there was no like, like when you play like world of Warcraft and I get why they do this, but stuff is on like the testing servers way before it enters the live server. So if you're somebody like me who doesn't want to beta test a wow raid, it's like it comes out and then there's like hundreds of people, thousands of people who are like, okay, well the strats we already know, here's how Mm -hmm. this works. This is cool because it's just like, bam, it's here. Nobody knew that the new thing was going to be animal taming and crafting, (laughs) but I don't know if you feel the same way, Sam. I think, um, because I'm not particularly great at Fortnite. Um, I do appreciate when there's changes because it's like, oh, this is something new and interesting. Um, and I'm not just playing against a bunch of sweaty 13 year olds who know every inch of this map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the new, I mean, like, like I was saying, I came second in a game and uh, the guy that I was up against had like 30 health left when he killed me um so uh it feels like uh there's less um less competition almost like the the competition is more evened out yeah uh i think everybody's kind of trying to figure out how to make the best of new stuff and it's cool i mean it's not just the crafting and the animal taming there's all all new weapons now that are totally different the bow is a new thing that wasn't there before and then they i think they filter in and out stuff that maybe was in previous seasons but wasn't in the last season. 
So there's a lot there that's cool. I also highly recommend, even if you don't have any interest in playing Fortnite, you should, anyone listening should watch the cutscene that you get at the start of this season. Because it's like, what if Ready Player One was actually just like fun and silly and not like weird and overwrought and self serious? Uh, hmm. Because it's like the xenomorph jumps on uh, the character and then. Um, like the Mandalorian shoots him and then the, then Jones, the main character keeps running and then Ellen Ripley pops out of a truck and is helping him to fight terminators and stuff. It's, it's, it's funny how they actually incorporate the licensed stuff into the cutscenes and events. Yeah. Wasn't it directed by the Russos or something like that? I don't know if this one was, it could be, I'm sure that they were, they did something like that around the Marvel stuff when when the the marvel battle pass was happening mm. um i also have a little bit less fomo about this game now because i understand now that they put all of the previous battle pass stuff up on the store to buy from time to time so even though i missed the marvel battle pass like they make that stuff available to buy and it's more expensive than if you just ground it out through the battle pass but it makes me feel less bad about missing those chapters because that stuff does come back the only thing that's okay. exclusive Never comes back as the Fortnite crew skins, which Sam is not getting anymore. So he does not have the sick llama DJ skin that I got this month for my patronage. Um, I I feel like uh, I don't know. It feels like a waste of money. <laughs> if me. you're not if you're <laughs> not interested okay. in the skins, then it absolutely is. I have like I don't know. I've got I've got some skins that I like, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's enough for me. I'm very much like, give me them all and I will build a hundred loadouts. Now that I have found the fun with this game, I want to build limitless shuffled loadouts so that I can get a different character every game. So I have like 30 of them now that I randomly, that it randomly picks between every game. Anyway, any other Fortnite thoughts? It's, it's fun. Yeah, I think it's just I, I'm definitely going to play some more. I'm looking forward to um, yeah, getting a bit more played and seeing how whether there's more there's more stuff that I'm enjoying in this season. Um, I think I've uh, I wish I had just played the Marvel season because I think that, I, that would have been absolutely my jam and really hooked me in in the same way that it hooked in like the kind of funny guys and they're still playing two seasons later now because. Um, uh, even just playing the Galactus thing was, I was like, Oh, I forgot Fortnite's pretty fun to play. Uh, I should play Fortnite again. Um, Speaking of the Marvel thing, um, I think Fortnite probably remains the best Avengers video game currently available on next gen consoles. Oof. But that's not an oof for us. Cause Fortnite's really good. (laughs) Yeah. But the oof is the, there's there's a game that should be better for one of those specifically. Yeah, well. Anyway, I played... that there's a game called Avengers and it isn't the best Avengers game. <laughs> yes, I think that's yeah. that's kind of my point as well. Um uh, I, you know, it's fine. I played the Avengers PS5 update this this week. I put um a couple hours into that and uh it's cool. That game is still that game, so I won't talk about it at length because we've talked about it at length in the past. Um but uh, I haven't gotten to the new Hawkeye stuff. I've still haven't even played the Kate Bishop stuff because I'm 
having to replay the story on PS5 because I originally played it on PC. But um, the stuff they do with the controller is great. It's it the haptics are like really um, they go from subtle to kind of aggressive, but in smart ways. It doesn't just vibrate when stuff hits you. It's like when you are um, flying as Iron Man, and you know like how that the it rumbles like hit the jets do it's kind of like subtly like a f- uh, like sort of fading and and ebbing and flowing rumble that that like feels like it matches the sound of the jets in a way that's like really 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 cool and it gives you a lot of good feedback and then the trigger stuff is really good um it's like a, a tensor trigger pull to shoot iron man's plasma out of his his hands and that's really cool um and when you combine that with like the sounds from the controller, the haptics and the trigger pulls, it definitely makes the game feel more tactile, which is something that I think does improve the experience. Uh, and it, it's, it's pretty cool. I wouldn't say that it's like changed the game immensely, but it's neat. It definitely made flying around and as Iron Man more fun to me. Uh, and the like no load times is awesome that when you select a mission, it is, it like flashes the loading screen for like two seconds and then you're in the mission, which is Mm. huge for that game (laughs) because that was even playing it on an SSD on PC. It would be like 10 seconds of loading at least. And when the missions are not particularly long, it feels, it felt like really bad to be constantly looking at loading screens. Um, And in this game, it's like super snappy. I also haven't really, I'm playing in the performance mode, which is pretty much locked to 60. I haven't really noticed any dips. Uh, It does dynamic scaling resolution in the performance mode, so it's not 4K all the time, but it looks nice. I think they may have taken a pass at, like, the LOD of the models, maybe? I don't know Hmm. for sure, but the character models for the NPCs in particular look a little higher quality to me, but... I don't know if it's like additional shaders or something that they can deploy on PS five or what, but um, I was talking to the shield agent woman on the bridge of the, the helicarrier and she looked like an actual character and like, not mm-hmm. like a tier below the, the heroes. Whereas sure. on when I played it on PC, all of the vendors looked like, like less good. The like heroes looked pretty good. And then the vendor characters looked like, they were like crowd NPCs or something. Um, But in this, in this update, they look a lot better. So I don't know. It's cool. If you're already interested in that game, I think it's worth obviously, and you have a PS five, it's worth playing it on PS five. And if you um, were kind of bored of it and stuff, maybe it's worth giving it a quick look to see if you like that PS five upgrade. Although the save transfer process was stupid. If you do have a PS five, do not delete your PS four version of the game because you have to update the ps4 version to the latest version go into it do a save migration where it uploads your save and then launch the ps5 version and then it'll pull in the save uh and it was stupid because those games are like 70 gigs a piece and the ps5 hard drive is not that big so (laughs) i really hope that between this and hitman that we learn our lessons of how to actually properly do 
save transfers by like i don't know let's say this time next year or something i don't think they will but also i don't think it'll be as much of an issue next year because i don't think there will be as many next gen patches and stuff probably not yeah Uh, probably not which is the big thing here is this game should have been probably available at ps5 launch but then got delayed and yeah but i don't know it's good it's avengers the clint stuff looks okay it looks i'm very disappointed that you're just fighting aim in the future future aim I thought maybe there would be new enemies with it, but nope. <laughs> so doesn't even look like there's going to be new enemies in War for Wakanda because it are, in the narration, Claw says like Monica, if you can give me an army, and Monica is aim. So he's getting an yeah, army of aim bots. It's like if in Destiny there were only the aim fallen, bots. and that's it, and there was nothing else in that game. It's Wait, kind of the aim bots. Are they going to get banned? Oh, you got to ban them uh, yourself with your fists. Oh. <laughs> you got to pick them up with the Hulk and slam them around. Got to use that's a trainer. That's what we do to aimbots uh, here. That's a fun move. Man, my stomach is rumbling really bad because I haven't eaten yet today. Um, nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll burn through the, the, the really other the stuff noise. that I brought quickly, um, which is one, I played a game very briefly. I played a game called Adios this week. I'm, an, I'm aware that it's pronounced Adios in in correct pronunciation but this game specifically omits the accent and it's because it's trying to evoke the like way that people who don't know how to speak spanish say adios sometimes i don't really know why because that doesn't factor into the story at all it just so happens <laughs> well, that yet. that's the way the lead character no i finished it it's very short um yeah, the it's lead like character hour, it? it's like an hour to an hour and a half yeah the lead character just pronounces the word adios at one point. Um, and he has like a Southern accent and it's, it's clear. anyway. Um, adios is a game that is developed by a very small team. I found out about it because I follow the games like creative director and, and writer uh, on Twitter who goes by doc squiddy. If you follow like the indie scene, um, they're a good follow. Uh, and it's an interesting game. The premise is that you are a farmer who disposes of bodies for the mob by feeding them to your pigs. Uh-huh. Uh, and you wake up one day and decide that you don't want to do it anymore. And so you have a, the game is kind of a conversation between you and the hitman that you're friends with, who brings you the bodies from the mob and him basically trying to convince you to not go through with it and to keep doing it because the like implication is that like they got to kill you if you won't do it anymore. Um, and it's pretty interesting. I it has a lot of jank. It's it's definitely got a lot of like sort of like sometimes it'll give you a button prompt and you hit it and it doesn't work and it's like what's going on and then 10 seconds later you hit it and it works. Um but it deploys some really interesting techniques for narrative games that I haven't encountered before such as like one this character is following you around the whole time and the game's kind of a constant conversation between the two of them which is neat instead of a what these games often do, which is place you alone in an environment and then give you audio diaries or whatever. Um, it has like little activities you do, which are not gamey, but it still breaks up the just walking around stuff in a way that's kind of interesting. And I think it's got some smart pacing things. It does cool things with dialogue as well, where like it'll give you grayed out dialogue options that you can't say but that like are thoughts that the character is having 
like, you know, this isn't a specific example, but like if someone, if the guy's like, you got to keep working or whatever, you might only be able to actually say, no, I'm not, but it'll have like a grayed out, like, Hey, fuck you. And it's the sort of thing that's like the character would never actually say this, but it's what they're thinking. And I think that's a cool way to deploy that kind of internal monologue. Mm. Um, Mm. And uh, so I like that stuff a lot. I didn't like the way that it ends particularly. So that kind of left me a little flat on it. I didn't come away from it like, oh my God, this was brilliant because the ending just didn't work for me. But I don't think, I think that's a me thing. I don't think it's necessarily that it's like, bad or that it's not worth your time i think it's just that it uh it didn't resonate with me in the way that i kind of hoped it would but there are some really strong moments in there and the the performances generally are pretty good so i think if you're a fan of these kinds of games it's worth giving a look um it's worth knowing that it is only like an hour and a half i think you could probably squeeze a couple hours out of it and it's about i think it's 18 bucks so if you're kind of like averse to the spend on short experiences it's worth knowing that and maybe if you want if you're on the fence wait for a sale but i also think it's cool because it's supporting a pretty small team that has some cool ideas so i don't have any problem i didn't have any issues at all even though i was kind of flat on the ending um giving them my 18 bucks so that's adios or adios uh and it's kind of worth playing i don't know if you have any questions on it either of you no, because it seems no. it seems like that game is all about the experience, and if it's a short experience, then talking about it too deeply, you know, pulls away from yep. it. Yeah, that's why I don't really want to talk about the story at all beyond the basic premise. Um, but uh, but but it's cool. I I totally recommend giving it a look if you like narrative games. I think I think it's interesting enough. Just be prepared for a little bit of jankiness and occasional performance kind of hiccups. And I mean, in terms of the vocal performances, there were times when I was like. Eh, that line didn't really land, but good by and large. And then the last thing I'll talk about is uh, it's the big dance happening now. The NCAA uh, basketball tournament has been going on. March Madness, as some call it. And I really love uh, college basketball and have always wanted to jump to getting into pro basketball and I've always struggled. And because of the way my brain works and I'm like, Oh, I'm interested in basketball right now. Want to play the video game. I ended up picking up uh NBA 2k 21 also driven by a desire to get another like truly next gen game that would look really nice on PS five. And it does, it looks really nice on PS five. Um, and it's pretty fun. I think pound for pound, it's probably the best sports game in terms of, the fun of just playing it. Um, it's a really good mix of like strategy and Twitch gameplay and character development in like an RPG sense to, to get your character better. The, uh, the, the, the virtual currency stuff for the, my career mode is still fucking gross. <laughs> uh, I came in with a hundred thousand credits cause I got the like, deluxe edition because someone recommended it to me if i'm starting this late to do that and it costs twenty thousand credits to raise my rating by five points which is like insane because you start at a 60 so 
the amount of credits it takes to level up to the cap, which is 95, I think, overall, is just absurd. Uh, like how many how many credits would you get for playing a game or completing some story thing or whatever? So, like, playing a game, I'm still in the story, um, but I get, like, 400 credits per game oh. in the story. <laughs> and the games, are, the games I'm playing right now are college games, and they're 20 minutes long. So... <laughs> It is like a brutal grind. And I think the grind gets a little faster once you get out of the story part and into the kind of more service gamey part. Uh, but it's a brutal grind. And that game now has a like a whatever uh, the ultimate team mode where you can buy packs of cards of players. So <laughs> there's just like so many money sinks oh in that game. I am waiting for the reckoning where they finally say we got to take this back to square one but it won't happen as long as people spend money on it so i don't know and it's a shame too because it really is there's a there's skill involved i mean it's not just like oh you max out your character and then it just rolls dice it's it's a smartly designed game but you can totally fuck up your build because you the way you create your characters you set their max ratings like their max skill ratings for each category and then and you basically have like you know they can be up to over 95 overall so you move their max abilities around and in a way where like you might be able to have like a 70 in three point range accuracy. But if you, and that'll put you at like a 70 overall, and then you spend like 10 points on strength to make your overall for strength, like 60. And that makes you a 75. So you're kind of like playing with these different caps to try to math it out and min max what you can do for your position. Um, but if you, make a shitty build for your position and then play the game for 10 hours and spend like 20 bucks on virtual currency and then go, Oh no, my build sucks. You have to make a new character and you lost all that. There's yeah. not like, you can't like recover yeah. those credits. So you can't and there's re-roll. no way to like re no, there's no way to reroll or respec your character. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh no. Hang on. Sorry. My cat hit a button. My recording's fine though. <laughs> uh, Cats are chaos today. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's really fun. So I'm putting up with it because at this stage, I'm not that worried about the PVP parts, which is where your rating really factors in. Um, and the story is surprisingly strong. It's like fairly cliche. I mean, yet you're like, your character is starts in high school and, um, your, your dad recently passed away and he was a, he was like a basketball great in, in high school and college and then played in Australia and in the Australian pro league for a while. And like, everybody loves him and you have these big shoes to fill. Um, Jaiman Hansu is the coach of your basketball team, um, in high school, uh, which is cool. He does a really good job. And then, uh, Michael K. Williams kind of plays your, like your dad's close friend who wants to be your agent and maybe has some ulterior motives. It's not clear. Uh, so they deploy that stuff really well. The main character is portrayed really well too. It's very funny because I made my main character look as much like me as possible without using the face scan. Cause it gave, when I did that, it gave me a monster. Uh, but <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the, the, I made my character look as much like me as possible. So I have a huge beard and I didn't know that they start you in high school. And I have never seen a high school senior with a beard that looks like what my character has. He's also enormous. Like, he's like 6'10". <laughs> and so it's very funny to see. He's like 6'10 and 220 pounds. 
it's very funny to see this like huge muscly guy walking around supposed to be a high school player because high school players just don't develop like that in real life i mean they're tall by that point but um they don't have huge beards and are and like are fucking ripped uh (laughs) but uh but it's fun the thing that happened that pissed me off is there's like a um there's a I didn't understand how the choice system works. They give you different choices at times. And one of them is you get injured and then they ask you if you want to go in and risk further injury in the next game. And I didn't want to. So I let the timer run out. I didn't realize that I was picking between two options. I thought it was like press X to do this or don't press anything to stay out of the game. But I left the, it was actually a selector and since I left it on going the game, my guy went in the game, which was impossible to win anyway. And then I was injured for the big like season ending game. And we got fucking destroyed because the, my teammates were garbage and I couldn't do anything because I was injured. So that was frustrating. But once I get once you get to college and you understand that it's much better. Uh, and I also appreciated my last thing that I, I made a note of to bring up is at one point the commentary guy said if you're going to leave him open like that, he's just going to keep stroking it. Nice. Which a st- in basketball, they were when a stroke is like a shot. Sure. <laughs> but it the, is. the way the dialogue played out was very funny. And that is the biggest presentational issue with the game is that the commentary sometimes like repeats every single game. They go like, and junior was explosive from the outside today. Every game, that's what they say about me, because uh, I score twenty junior? points in every game. Oh yeah, yeah. Your character gets referred to as Junior, um, yeah. and you can't change it because of the dad. Right. I'm hoping that the the big end to the story part is going to be like you're not just Junior anymore, and then you get to pick a nickname. <laughs> but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> you might just be Junior forever. Uh, but now you're Senior, son. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the story is pretty good. The, the performances are good. Oh, the other thing they do that's very funny that they do not do in actual college basketball is in the commentary is all the fucking time. The premise is that we're early in the season right now and the commentary guys are like, well, that shot's going to increase his draft stock, which is not <laughs> something they talk about. I mean, they might say like, oh, he's going to have some big decisions after this season as to, as to whether he wants to stay in college. But they don't ever... They don't say like, oh, and they'll be like, and Junior is going to increase his draft stock with this performance. And they say that all the time. <laughs> Hopefully there's some scouts in the audience today. Yep. 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 <laughs> absolutely. That is like word for word. And the other thing they do is because they've only licensed like eight universities. So I'm playing for Gonzaga, which is one of the best basketball countries and the best, best basketball colleges basketball in the countries. country. Wow. Um, and uh like gonzaga's the favorite to win the ncaa tournament this year they're in spokane washington they're like the only thing they're known for is basketball um and they're one of like nine i think universities that they licensed and i don't know why but you play each of them like gonzaga does not play florida particularly often (laughs) um they're not in the same conference as far as i know uh and yet 
when you play Florida, they spend a lot of time talking about the history of the University of Florida, which is not really something they do in real college basketball, but it'll be like, oh, Florida, Florida has a very new basketball program. They didn't have a powerhouse basketball program until about 20 years ago, which, by the way, is a long time ago. <laughs> but the, they'll be like, oh, they're a football school and da-da-da-da-da. And with Syracuse, when I played Syracuse, they're like, oh, I think Carmelo Anthony is the most famous player to come out of Syracuse. And then they they go into a diatribe that takes 10 minutes of conversation for them to talk about the history of Syracuse basketball. It's very oh strange. <laughs> the commentary is very, very strange. It's well, not bad, so- but it's strange. Does it seem like the kind of thing where it's like those nine schools were like, well, if we're going to be in there, you're basically going to do some advertising for us. <laughs> I feel like that's part of it is that they yeah. to to get a break on the licensing costs and the schools that they went to, you know, like Gonzaga, of course, they're going to take the money because the only thing they're really known for is basketball. But like, for mm-hmm. example, um, University of Michigan is not in there. Michigan is one of the best basketball schools in the country and has been for a while now as well uh but it's fucking expensive to license the michigan logo and to license michigan mm. so i'm sure that they were like eh, it's not necessarily it's we licensed michigan state it's fine um so i think there probably was some like deal cutting in there of like university of florida kind of expensive but what if we talk about their basketball program can we get a break maybe it'll send some 14 year olds to the university of florida if they play nba 2k and hear about the storied history of the florida gators uh so so if they have like a mock ncaa tournament or whatever in here and there's only nine schools does it have like nine other schools that are just fake we'll see i don't know i mean the, oh, okay. the ncaa tournament is a 64 team tournament so it's not oh i uh, thought it was 16 or sorry 18 no no um yeah so uh with the way it works you like you play through a season which is really condensed uh, and then it does as you play through the season it's like giving you a live update between games of like Here's where your team's going to place. I've been winning every game by 30 to 40 points. So I presume I will end up as a one seed in the tournament, but um, we'll see how it goes. What I suspect they'll do is be like, oh, it's they'll probably because of the the way the round structure works. It'll probably be like, oh, round one, you happen to be playing Syracuse. Round two, you happen to be playing uh, UCLA. Round three, you happen to be playing Michigan State, like the teams that are in there. You'll just play the ones that are already there each time again for the championship, um, <laughs> which is whatever. It's a little more detailed yeah. than I was expecting. I didn't think it would have. I assumed that they'd have like four licensed colleges and you'd play like two games with the college. But instead, you do play like eight of them, which is kind of cool. The story itself is like seems like it's going to be around six hours long, which is fairly decent for, um, for for one of these. So I don't know if you like basketball, it's. No, it's one of those like know what you're getting. It's just like with gotcha games. Know what you're getting into. It's predatory. Uh, it's it's shitty, and they should change it. Yeah. But it's really fun to play. Um, well, I guess I have one question before we move off of it. Yeah. Um, so we don't have it in our news, but there was the whole issue that came up with EA this week and FIFA. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but basically where um, there was some, like not insider trading, but essentially some EA staff were oh, caught. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like selling really high value cards privately to people, and you know things of that nature, where 
people found out about it, and then EA had to release a statement being like, hey, we're not cool with this shit. Um, uh, it, it was a big thing. We don't have it on news. We're not going to talk about it too deeply. But like, does the system feel predatory in that way where it's like, oh, you can only do really well in multiplayer, especially competitive multiplayer, if you have like these badass cards kind of thing? Yeah, so um, for the My Team or whatever, first of all, this game does have a, a mode called My NBA, which has no microtransactions. It is a classic, like, you take a team through a season and through a dynasty or whatever. So you can absolutely play that mode if you want to and not spend any money on the microtransaction stuff. So I do think that's important to get out there. Um, They also do a cool thing where they'll have the, like, NBA games being played that day that you can just jump into if you want to to just play quickly. So Mm. that out of the way. Yes, I think that the uh, ultimate team, I forget, I think they call it my team, stuff totally is like that and what they do with those modes is they're constantly introducing like new players or new versions of players and you do have to just basically continually spend money to stay relevant you can you can play single player matches that you earn progression and currency through and if you're comfortable with that you could just play that mode and get the packs and stuff and not spend money but if you want to be competitive in multiplayer yes now, with my career, the same thing is true, but at the very least, there is a hard limit on how much you could spend on a single character, because <laughs> not in terms of, you can spend as much as you want on cosmetics, because the cosmetics use the same currency as the skill points, but once you level your character to their max overall, it's not like the level cap keeps increasing, so ostensibly you could... Like, I doubt I'll have to spend any additional money to max out my character because I bought the expensive version of the game. Um, mm-hmm. And between grinding a bit of currency out and spending the rest of that currency, I think I'll be able to hit the cap in a couple of months without spending money. Um, but definitely, you have to be at the, t- at the top of the, like, stat trees, whether it's the overall rating in my career or the the ha- having the best team in my team to be competitive and it sucks um it, it's 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 absolutely like keep spending money um they also <laughs> i don't remember all of the details but these news stories are from two years ago but i'm pretty sure it happened last year too there was a huge controversy with gambling <laughs> in nba 2k mm-hmm. where there was uh, a a guy who entered the scene who had a shitload of money and he basically used like 2k gambling. I think it was like as a Ponzi scheme where he would like put up money and be like this player and this player one V one and the winner gets $10,000. And it was very like, there were a few players who were not, pro players the nba 2k the, the nba has a esports league that is like legit pro players playing for teams that are based around the actual franchises so there's like sure two there's esports teams for most of the major nba all of the nba teams this was separate from that this is like players who weren't quite good enough for that but were still very good and they would do these like 2v2 on 2 like shoot around kind of games and this guy was like 10,000 to the winner. And there were a few people who were like, he's legit. He just wants to see great games being played. And he knows that it, the real action happens on the, like my career court and not in the, the E league. And 
it turned out that it was all bullshit and it was all like either Ponzi or money laundering. I can't remember the exact details, but worth looking into because it was a wild story. Um, so there's a lot of junk around that game. The community is pretty terrible, too. So I don't know if you like me are, are have an interest in basketball and want to learn more and get into it more. It's very fun to play, but definitely know what you're getting into. And with that, uh, I see basically a lot of anime here in Alex's list. <laughs> but technically, one of these is a game, but isn't it also an anime? Yeah, which do you want to start with that anime? one? I want to start right. with the anime. I'll let you okay. decide what that means. Damn. <laughs> You're right. That is hard. Um, okay, well, we talked about the tv show i watched we talked about it after the first episode and then we talked about it again after the second episode because some stuff happened with it that was like what (laughs) and i definitely want to watch it so we'll keep this like very spoiler free oh yeah Um, i'm intending to keep it fully spoiler free and uh this is referring to the new season of higurashi higurashi go and um so when we first talked about it uh allison is also a big higurashi fan so sad she can't be here today but um it was very much marketed as a remake, like a full remake of the original show. Cause the original show is known for being kind of low budget. Like it was made by a relatively unknown studio called studio Dean at the time for, for yeah, like zero budget. So like if you've ever heard the dub of the original Higurashi, it is terrible. Like, <laughs> like even by bad anime English acting standards, it was awful. And like the art was arguably bad. Like I, I liked the art in the end actually, but you know, things like that. So the idea of it getting a full remake in 2020, cause that's when it started, uh, was super appealing. And then first episode happened. It was really good. It was like, yeah, this is one to one, just a complete remake of the first uh, episode of the first season. Then the second episode is completely different in a very weird way <laughs> where it's like, Oh, you are now kind of bringing in some lore that comes at the end of the second season of the original show. Like, kind of like a major character from that part of that season. It just shows up, and it's like, what? Okay, so this is not just a remake. And now, having finished it by uh, the show just ended this Thursday, um, you should not watch that show as your first introduction to the series. Because it is a hundred percent the third season, like it is a hundred percent reliant on knowing what happens on the old stuff, and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> the community um, reaction on it has been weird. Like um, on my anime list, which is considered for at least Western audiences to be like a pretty popular place to rate anime and review anime and stuff like that it's getting review bombed like crazy because people are like, Oh, it's not a remake, but it was promised to be a remake. Raw, like that kind of thing. Um, and then, so like you can kind of discount them, but it means the score is really low. And then among fans of the original and of the visual novels and of the whole series, it's split between people being like, Holy shit, this is amazing. And other people are like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> and I fall into the former. I think it's amazing because it is uh, Ryukoshi is an amazing author in that he always writes the ending first and then works backwards. So there's always a plan 
And he does this trick of always kind of like giving you little hints of what's to come. And then you can watch the audience. And I did this through reading like Reddit comments and stuff like that. Watch the audience speculate what's going to happen being like, Oh, was this little subtle thing that happened here? Was that significant? Oh, look it, this little thing happened in the animation. Like, is that saying that this is going to happen in like 10 episodes from now? And the thing is, some of the theories that seemed really crackpot really early on were a hundred percent right. <laughs> and it's like, you never know with his writing, like what parts are going to be significant and the little details that are extremely significant. And that's, what's really fun about it. Cause at their core, they're all mystery stories. Uh, and by they, I mean, Higurashi, Umineko and Sekonia, which make up the, when they cry series. And the, this is not a spoiler, but it's almost a spoiler that this show was basically tailor-made for me as someone who loved the original anime and loves the Higurashi visual novels and adores Umineko and really likes Sekonia and is like deep in that series. This is a direct continuation of all of them and is the first time that all three have been brought together. Like it ties together all the lore in a really crazy way. Like there was an episode where, uh, my reaction was similar to what the reaction online one was when I went back and read the comments and it was like, what the fuck? This is Umineko now. <laughs> so I might end up writing an article on the site. Like I was thinking, should I write a review for this? But then I was like, maybe I should just write an article. I'm not entirely sure what it should be. If it's like recommended viewing order, like if you want the full experience what should you do? Or if you want like the condensed experience, but still want to get like as much out of it as possible, like what's the shortest amount of time you can spend to do that? Like maybe an article like that. And maybe a second article that's just like hyper hundred hours. (laughs) If you wanted the full experience, it's probably close to about two, uh, 250 hours. Probably honestly, Oh, that's maybe, maybe even more. It's barely Uh, three trails games. (laughs) Exactly. The words were on the tip of my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, like it's absolutely fantastic. I think um, it does really smart things in terms of the story. And also, Pat, I think one of the things you said about the second season is that like parts of it were kind of predictable to you and that it kind of moved away from the horror stuff in a way. And mm-hmm. this one, it makes the mystery really interesting. Uh, and it directly pulls from the second season, so it still has all that mystery. But it goes fucking hard on the horror. Like there's a couple scenes on there that are significantly more intense than anything that was in the original show. And like that's kind of saying something. I think the second season of that show to me was like it was kind of like lost but but like objectively better in that I was really intrigued by the questions that were posed by the first season. And then the answers to those questions were kind of like, Oh, okay. I mean, it was not that it was bad. It just didn't hit me in my particular place of like, this is the kind of wild shit that I would enjoy that I like and enjoy. But I also absolutely want to watch the third season because it was still really good. So it's, it's, it's certainly not a like knock against it or, or any sort of like objective or critical assessment of it for me to say that the second season didn't hit as hard as the first season for me. But the issue is that as everyone who listens and is on this show knows, you cannot tell me that it can, it, it, it 
ties in the lore from other things without my <laughs> also <laughs> engaging in those things. And I bounced off of reading the manga of uh, Umineko. Um, but it seems interesting enough that at some point I would like to check it out when I have time free. But I also want to play the Falcom games and stuff. <laughs> that's, so that's a, a lot, lot of stuff lore. on the plate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's tons I could talk about with the show, but um, one uh, one of the last things I'll talk about is something I super appreciate about all of his stories is that all of them in the end are about mental health. Um, like the original Higurashi is kind of the failures of someone who needs to ask for help from friends, basically, and like trying to do everything on their own, and uh, the value in actually like being strong enough to ask others for help is like a big core part of that story. Uh, Umineko's all about grieving and loss and how to let go of things, things like that. And this one is, again, I'm going to try and keep it spoiler-free, but it's, it's kind of centrally themed around being able to recognize when your friend is being really toxic or your friend is making a mistake and when to actually reach out and help them or if you should cut ties with them, essentially. Like, like, kind of having to make that decision and figure out what's healthiest for them, but also healthiest for like you and your mental health. And like, that's what I really appreciate about all of his work is that it is fantastical, and there's like all this murdery, horrory stuff, but like, it is rooted in like really strong mental healthy kind of things. Because I didn't realize until reading some comments that he was a, a social worker and he worked with kids and. Uh, like he saw a lot of mental anguish from children and stuff like that, which is why he writes these stories is almost like a catharsis and trying to imbue some lessons of how to have better mental health, which you wouldn't expect it going in, especially not that first season where it's just like, Oh, why are all these murders happening in this town? Ha ha ha. But like, yeah, it gets there and yeah, I love it. It's easily my favorite series when they cry at this point. And it was very exciting at the end of the last episode when they said next on Higurashi, they announced the, the new season. So cool. this is acting almost as a questions arc much as the original did. And then the cool. new season seems to be an answers arc. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, really fantastic. I'm looking forward to someday uh, enjoying the whole, because the one thing that's definitely true of that series, uh, whether I liked the way the second season went or not is the characters are really good. So oh, I'm great. happy to watch anything with those characters in it. Yeah. And uh, if you like subversive shit, there's, there's, Which I do. Few, there's few things better than Higurashi because it's all about subversion. Sounds okay. like uh, the anime MCU. That, that's been what I've been thinking the whole time. I'm like, ah, all these products tie into each other. In, in a way, you but bring like, it all together. It is, but like, my problem with MCU is that a lot of the stories are relatively shallow. Like, I know that the characters have significant history just through comics and things of that nature but like they're never telling stories that like are particularly or at least in the MCU movies they're not not telling stories that are particularly like hard hitting or like tackling really really tough subjects in like head on like you get a bit of it with like black panther and things of that nature where it's act- actively trying to address things of like race which is good but like higurashi is going straight in in for the jugular on some really tough topics like it's it's more about what tough topics resonate with you 
more yeah, than anything. Like, in Spider-Man, um, he's got to deal with like homework, obviously. <laughs> Uh, that's difficult for all of us. Well, I think Captain America's really old. I think I think if you I think like you could make an argument that Winter Soldier is an interesting take on like surveillance and the surveillance state and civil war has a lot of interesting things to say about like um like redemption and forgiveness. Well and also the main theme of that and also sort of geopolitics and like what how would we regulate people with superpowers. But also, if those sorts of topics don't resonate you with you in the same way that like a serious discussion of like how to handle an abusive home, then yeah, I, I think I think that's going to hit a lot harder for you. So I think it's less about like yeah. which one has more depth and more about which one resonates with you in a particular way. It's it's yeah, it's about what you're willing to stomach. Like I would say, I probably should have started. Higurashi usually comes with a content warning. Because it oh, yeah. deals yeah. with yeah physical abuse of children. It deals with like a lot of really rough things, and it's it is a horror anime, so it does not shy away from uh, being extremely explicit with a lot of stuff. So, like it, yeah. it, it they they are going for different things, but you're not wrong to compare it to the MCU. Like when they cry as a series has finally been tied together, and it's been tied together by this new season of the anime, which is fucking nuts. Yeah, that's cool. So tell me about another um, universe that never ends and goes on forever and is complicated and has weaving narrative. Okay, so I haven't watched much Veggie Tales, but okay, thank from- you, thank you. <laughs> that was better than I could have hoped for. Yeah, um, there definitely is a Veggie Tales cinematic universe, but it all leads back to Jesus. And yeah, that's what's such. That's like, why I like. That's why I like that one Veggie Tales Twitter account. Um, yes, <laughs> like much that's, like that's Zack Snyder's Justice League, it all ties back to Jesus. I'm kidding. There's actually not any <laughs> Jesus shit in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I don't know yeah. why you said that the other day when you were talking about it. There's a huge scene where Superman makes the Christ shape in front of the sun rising <laughs> over the earth and the, yeah. the golden rays shine through him. I guess like, I didn't think of it. That's as... an extremely pivotal scene in the movie. I it's guess it's, I, I mean, long. yes, I guess it's a Christ motif that he's doing there, but it didn't have the same. Um, and that was stupid. That was definitely one of the dumb scenes in the movie that was bad. But also, it's not as explicit and beating you over the head with it as when they hold his bot, carry his body out of a church or whatever it was in Man of Steel. <laughs> um Alex, I want you to know, because you're never going to watch this movie, and you probably uh-huh. won't listen to the episode where we discuss it. So, um, spoilers for, scene, for anybody who wants who wants to skip this It's part. about five minutes in, this scene. Okay. Um, well, okay, so the movie opens with Superman's death from the end of Batman vs. Superman, and mm-hmm. as he's stabbed, he screams, and you follow the scream around the world that. as everyone hears it. <laughs> I thought it was great. But like, and you're like, oh, oh, this is interesting. They're showing some like different places. And then, like, three minutes later and it's still going because the scene is four minutes long of him screaming <laughs> around the world. He's screaming uh, multiple times, too. It's like a yeah, pulse. He's like screaming a, ah, multiple times. Ah, ah. It's hilarious. Um, and That's it wraps great. around, like, listening to Kind of Funny talking about it, they were like, yeah, so first you're like, wow, this is so dumb. And then, like, every dumb thing is so long that it wraps around in the same way that, like, 
when you like something ironically, your yes. brain doesn't understand that you like it ironically and just starts liking it. And that's that's just Zack Snyder's Justice League in a in a yes. in a nutshell. Also, that's there's so a scene where Aquaman is in a, a little Icelandic town and he <sighs> brings them fish once a year so that they don't starve when the sea freezes. And uh, as he jumps into the water, he throws his jumper off, and this little girl picks up the jumper and she like starts singing this like Icelandic choir song, and it goes and on the for such pulls, a long time. The camera pulls back, <laughs> and there's like. 20 other Icelandic teenage girls that stood behind her that all join in on this song and, and like, like harmonize. Like three and minutes mul- of them it's singing. multiple minutes long, right? Multiple minutes of this Icelandic choir. And then the girl just like go, just like pulls the jumper close and then sniffs it. And then yes. like the scene ends. The only thing that I liked about that scene is that Bruce Wayne is standing there the whole time, like yes, the whole on time. Earth. <laughs> Anyway, that sounds small preview for that movie. It's the comic fix funny. episode where we talk about it. <laughs> the funny thing about that movie is, like, I would say the two hours of that movie are dumb scenes like that, and yet I still really enjoyed it. <laughs> and not because it's <laughs> like so bad it's good. I think it's like you I think know, it's a solid three and a half star movie. Yes, yes, good. absolutely. But it has a lot of <laughs> dumb scenes because it's four hours long and he managed to squeeze in a lot of dumb stuff in addition to a lot of cool stuff. Anyway. That's, that sounds fantastic in its own way. No yeah. one else is fantastic uh, in its own way. And probably better in terms uh, of quality. Last the last fantastic. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy 14, which I've talked about, but sh- specifically Shadowbringers, because I'm finally at it, and it's something I'd I'd kind of got, let's say, I don't know, like halfway through Stormblood, and then I had to kind of step away just because there was a lot of other games, and we were approaching the end of um, time, uh, end of time. Yep, and also Damn. we were approaching like Game of the Year, and there was like a would, lot of releases coming out. So. Would you say we were walking towards the end? We could have been classified as walkers of of end, yes, um, and walkers, walkers if you must, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I finally got to Shadowbringers within the past couple weeks, and people have talked that expansion up quite a bit. Like, if you look at the online discourse surrounding Shadowbringers, is it's a lot of people being like, "Yeah, it's fucking great. Like, it's maybe the best thing that Final Fantasy has ever done." And admittedly, I don't follow the Final Fantasy series that closely. Like, I played uh, six, seven, eight, nine when they came out, and liked them enough, and then kind of fell off after ten, and never really got back into like, you know, uh, I never got into ten. I never got into thirteen. I never got into the Lightning Saga. I never played fifteen, and just kind of came back with fourteen. And for, at least from the games I've played, yeah, it's fucking awesome, and. I don't want to talk about why, because no, the setup yeah. is so unique I, and so I am, good. I'm gonna <laughs> start. I'm I'm not gonna get to Shadowbringers this year, but I am going to start. I want to play it with that PS5 update for sure. So. Yeah, totally. Like I I got to Shadowbringers after 200 hours, and I was more or less mainlining it, like doing some side stuff here and there. But yeah, more or less mainlining it, and yeah, it's real fucking good. <laughs> what? So my biggest question totally unrelated to narrative because I don't think, I mean, it seems I have no doubt that the narrative is incredible because everybody talks about being, it being really good. Yeah. I have heard is. of, and, and <laughs> in an interesting, like people that I know who are like 
super into media that like you, for instance, don't have much of a connection to stuff like the MCU talk about how mm. the 14 story is incredible. And then there's people like, you know, you and like somebody like Austin Walker who talk, who also talk about it kind of on the other, the, 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 there's like a spectrum with two ends, but like diff, people who appreciate different kinds of media is what I'm getting at here. Mm. Seem to love that story. So I have no doubt that it'll be great. My biggest question is, <laughs> Does the gameplay improve over the course of these expansions in terms of like what you're doing in between the dialogue and cutscenes? Yeah, I would say so. I would say okay. like a lot of the like duties, which are dungeons or like raids and stuff, they're doing pretty interesting and unique things. Cool, cool. Like they're incorporating like mechanics that are unique to that kind of thing. Uh, like that's obviously f- obvious for raids, but like the smaller ones, which are like you know the story based ones, like you're doing a lot of very unique things that actually make it engaging to play and like you you're paying attention and like there was a couple times with the gameplay where i was like oh that was really clever or like that's unexpected or like yeah so like the gameplay is good and some of the classes that you'll play or jobs or whatever uh are a lot more actively engaging uh if you so choose to play them like there's the dancer which is basically you're almost playing a ddr game (laughs) Uh, that's awesome like like not quite ddr like not that level but like to properly do like combos you're like having to do this stuff to get the maximum potency and blah 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 uh it's really cool um so yeah i would say it is actively engaging to play and as well as the fact that it has an extremely good story um so i I mentioned this to our chat and I'll just try and rephrase it here where the story and gameplay and everything as it is tied together kind of reminds me of like a combination of Mass Effect 2, uh, the good parts of Mass Effect 2, uh, as well as Higurashi, which given how much we just talked about it and uh, how much positive feelings I have towards Higurashi, that means a lot of good things. So... Uh, and I think there's other things you can pull from it too, but those two are pretty big touch points for me, at least. Very cool. Uh, I, it's one of those more hours in the day thing where, oh, totally. and 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 even this conversation is like, I'll probably end up booting up 14 this weekend. This the difficulty I have is I need to get through the base a Realm Reborn story, which I don't think is bad. It's interesting. No. Um, but I need to get there because what happens is I always get like 10 to 15 hours into it and then I get pulled away and it's very hard to re-enter that story when you're in the middle of it and you haven't played for a few months. I think once you've like finished a cuts or a expansion, there's more of a clean break point where you can kind of step away and come back. Sure. Um, but that base game story has so many characters and it's complex enough that it's hard to leave and come back from it. Yeah, it uh, does set up a lot of lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's like not as fun. Like, I don't think that it is plot wise as strong from what I've heard as some of the expansion content, but it's doing all that foundational work of like, here's this world and the characters and the world state and the lore that you need. And it's still good, but mm-hmm. also the gameplay early on is really boring because you're basically, you basically have like two skills. So every fight yeah. is like, hit one skill hit the other skill the rotation is just yeah yeah um totally but that's just mmos that's how mmos work so i don't hold it against them it just you kind of got to push through it yeah and i will say that between expansion breaks like after you finish a realm reborn like the last 
raid or whatever. I don't remember if it's actually a raid, but the last major uh, instanced event that you do with other players sucks. Like it's bad. Uh, yeah. And then you can tell in the next expansion that they took all the criticisms of that to heart yep. and like all the systems are better. And then you yeah. get to the next expansion and all the systems are even better. So it's not just the lore and the, like the story that improves. It's actually the gameplay. So cool. That's good. The first, the first one is not bad uh, by any means. It's just that it's okay. And then it just keeps getting better. Yeah. And to be clear, it's as engaging as any other MMO I've ever played, perhaps even a little bit more so. Um, so it's certainly not that it's bad, but when you compare it to like, um, I don't know, like other final fantasy games is really a good, a better way to compare it where the gameplay is kind of immediately engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit like tough, especially when you're, I mean, even, even looking at something like Avengers, which is, I think objectively nowhere near as, as, as well-designed of a product as FF14. Partly because it's only been out for six months or whatever. So don't, I mean, I have my issues with that game. It could get way better. Who knows? A Realm Reborn launched and was really, or Final Fantasy XIV launched and was in a really bad state. So whatever. Yeah. Yes, it was. But <laughs> playing something like Avengers, I can at least sit on the couch and I'm like actively hitting buttons and I'm like, oh, I need to dodge. Oh, I got to attack th- these times. And I think it's, um, it is easy to bounce off of 14 because of that. Like, oh, I'm doing like a five minute dialogue sequence. And then I've got to run somewhere for 10 minutes. That's an exaggeration, another five Mm -hmm. minutes. And then I need to kill these things. And I'm just sort of like standing here and waiting for a timer to cool down to kill them can feel, um, kind of, I guess the way that's the way that MMOs used to be. And that can be a little hard to get into at first, I think. Yeah. And I would say, the deeper you get in, the less that becomes a factor. Granted, That's good. like there's some side stories I've done where it's just like I'm just going to put on a podcast because I'm, you know, I am doing a lot of travel and just doing some other stuff, and it's it's fine. It just gives me ten yeah. minutes of podcast time, and then I get back to the story. So yeah, which is yeah. fine too. And I don't want to sound too harsh on it because I mean, I think everyone should play it. And I don't know if you knew this, but um, you can do a free trial of the game that includes Heaven's Word, and it's. 90 yeah. hours of content yeah the the, the critically acclaimed heaven's word <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right that's the full meme <laughs> the advertisement is so good yeah the fact that they lean into it it's excellent anyways well, yeah Shadowbringers fucking rips uh i don't think i'm near the end yet i'm probably about halfway through to the first credits and i'm really looking forward to getting to the the patches so you always hit the credits and then you have the patches they do after that and i've heard Patch 5.3, which, you know, that sounds so clinical, but uh, <laughs> I've heard that is just like a high point for some people say for their favorite fiction. So I'm really looking forward yeah. to seeing what that is. I, um, I think uh, the I'm hoping that we restructure our game of the year a bit this year so we feel less pressure to like play 10 games that came out this year. Yeah. And uh, in light of that, like for me, the big ones is I want to get through yeast, but I also really, w- I would like to be in a place where Endwalker kind of is the end of this big, huge, long story that they've been telling. But from mm-hmm. what they've said, it's not the end of the game story. They're going to sort of start a new story. And I'd like yeah. to be in a place to be caught up by the time that new story starts, which will presumably be like two years after Endwalker, I would think. Probably, um, yeah. And so I'm hoping that over the next, you know, year and a half, I can kind of get caught up and, uh, and, and go. The biggest thing that held me up was that 
serve character creation in FF14 is kind of a pain in the ass because they lock servers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they do. So I wanted to play, and you can play with other people that are in the same server cluster as you, but you can't join their like free company, or you can join their free company, but you can't join like. There's certain things you just can't do with people from other servers, even though you can technically play together. Um, yeah, yeah, that the limitations are a little strange, and, and as someone have, who plays on a Japanese server, I've definitely felt those limitations. One of my best friends plays a lot of like really, really likes. He doesn't play it like he leaves and comes back. Basically, I don't even know if he's finished Shadowbringers, but mm. um, kind of like what you've done. But um, you know, if I'm going to be playing, I'd like to play on his server. Uh, yeah, because for sure. Um, so the option do is there at together the very least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that it's a great game. One of the coolest yeah. things about that game, before we move on, uh, is that you can just change your class. Which oh, anytime. It's yeah. it's so smart. It's that's it's 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 certain games. I don't know that like WoW needs to do that because it's pretty quick to level in WoW, and there's a certain amount of identity tied to your class by the nature of that game, but normalize class changes like in destiny you should just be able to change your class it doesn't really yes there's identity elements to it but come on uh it sucks that that uh it's so or i guess i shouldn't say it sucks in other games it's so cool that in final fantasy 14 your character is very much your character and you don't ever have to make alts if you don't want to and you can just nope. yeah, stick totally. with that one person and if you really want, you can change the way they look too. Uh, yep. But yeah, no, switching classes, switching jobs is as easy as switching one item in your inventory and then you're a different job. So you can even pay it. like, I think it's like 10 or 15 bucks. It's not a terrible price to change like your, your character's race, like species and, and gender and yeah. stuff. I believe. I think they, I think they actually give you an item for free during the story that's like, if yeah. you wanted to use it. I think also when they introduced that pro that that like feature they gave everybody one of those or something because I know I have yeah. one that I can always claim with new characters. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, it, yeah. it's 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 that's very good the way they do all yeah. that stuff. And okay, so Pat, and for anyone who knows Higurashi, this is like a light spoiler for Shadowbringers, but not really. And I'm going to keep it vague because. You'll understand this reference, but I don't know if our listeners will. I named my character very aptly, apparently. Oh, wow. Because the character I named it after, uh, some parts of their fiction and the way they work in that story kind of are relevant in Shadowbringer That's in cool. a really fascinating way. <laughs> I think those are more uh, breadcrumb teases to say maybe you too would like to play 200 hours of Final Fantasy XIV to understand <laughs> so, what that means. So what you need to do is play about 250 to 300 hours of When They Cry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And then play about 200 to 220 hours of Final Fantasy XIV, and then you'll get the full experience. I'll at least say this for the MCU, regardless of questions of depth or, or how much it resonates at least it's like 40 hours of movie stops yeah totally maybe more than that now actually i don't know uh but but either way um yeah it's a cool game i'm i'll probably yeah. i'll probably play some of it today now i'm i'm in the, I'm Hell in the yeah. mood now and uh, sam so sam who is no longer with us rest in peace sam uh <laughs> he, he just he just left he had, he had to take care of his child uh he, he sent a picture to our our group chat of him downloading Final Fantasy fourteen, so <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I gotta tell him. Uh, I, I'm gonna type it right now. 
that he should play on U.S. data centers uh, <laughs> on the Ultros, I think, server? I think that's Or join right. me in Japan on Carbuncle. <laughs> uh, or join Alex in Japan on Carbuncle. Why is he playing it on the PC when he has a PS5? PlayStation 5? <laughs> Sounds like something we should talk to him about. Yeah. Anyway, but that game actually hey, but, <laughs> not to keep not to like drag it out, uh, but that game also really good controller support. It's like extremely super good. playable on, on I, consoles. I play it on PC with a controller. Um, yeah. And like, if I ever need to do complicated stuff, I take one hand off my controller and go to my numpad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it's, I plan it's to, it works really well. I have a, um, a phenomenal. Where is it? It's not. I think it's over by my couch. Um, the only wireless keyboard you ever need for for TV stuff, which is a Logitech keyboard that has a trackpad and on it. Oh, um, is it? Oh, I forget what they're called, but yeah, they're really good. You you put two double A's in it, and it lasts for like ten years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's Dang. wild there it's a really great keyboard it only cost me like 35 bucks but uh anyway i plan on plugging that in so that i can do text chat if i need to and do any complicated stuff with that because i believe the ps4 version and i assume the ps5 version will has keyboard support yep and then that is, playing with the controller is accurate um because i want to sit on the couch and play that game because uh it's 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 a really full experience so yeah but speaking of square enix <laughs> yeah, makers of uh, Final Fantasy 14. Oh yeah, they have. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" Because I had our chat off and not the notes. Um, they yeah. did have an event. Hey, um, news, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we have some news. Um, and uh, it was actually pretty okay. I would say yeah. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't watch it immediately. I just kind of read the the synopsis afterwards. They did. Uh, they did a pretty good job. Um, they opened with Outriders, which was. I mean, they have to because it's not out yet, but I thought it was funny. They didn't really say anything new about it. That game's oh, coming to that, Game Pass. which is, is I was going to ask if if that is where the news came out. Because uh, I think it's coming to Game Pass, specifically the console Game Pass, not PC, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, that was where they... Xbox did a blog post about that before the event, like a day or two oh, before. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And it's good. It should go to Game Pass. I think that game's cool. I like it. I actually pre-ordered it because there was a... Green Man Gaming had like a 20% off pre-order for it, so I did that. Um, I like that game. I it seems the neat. demo the demo got shit on by a lot of people, but it, it's it's one of those uh, we're moving into this space with video games finally, where there's like the kind of like low art video games and the high art video games, <laughs> and like Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen is clearly a high art video game. That's it's, a very funny way to put it. <laughs> it's well, it's just you know, it's yeah. cinema does the same thing, right? Like Zack Snyder's Justice League is definitely low art. It is sure. not like. It's not The Godfather or Citizen Kane. It's or Sonic pretty, the Hedgehog. It, it's pretty. Uh, I don't know. Sonic might be, but I liked Zack Snyder's Justice League quite a lot. I really enjoyed watching it, and it's okay. You can like things that are kind of dumb and like not really standing up to critical analysis. Sure, and it's like, okay. like like how all of us pretty much like Chug Jug with you. That is objectively uh, sure. we'll use objectively the word bad. Like. Uh, it is definitely objectively <laughs> bad that I can agree with. Um, but anyway, Outriders is one of those games where, like, I don't think you could. I don't think it's bad on any scale, but it's definitely not. It's, 
it's the closest to a B game we've had in a while, or totally. at least a double, yeah. a double A. You know, like and it's really, I think it's really fun um, yeah. in that space. Anyway, it's it's uh, it's really good that it's coming to Game Pass because I think that'll increase the audience for it a lot. Because I do think mm-hmm. that it's I am someone who is fortunate enough to be able to like donate to causes and afford my cost of living and still buy some video buy video games kind of when I want them. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, because of that, I'm like, yeah, 45 bucks or whatever for this with the discount I got. Cool. But I understand that's a lot of money for a lot of people. And I oh, totally. think it, it, it is, I would be a lot hotter on it in the, from a recommendation perspective, if it were say 30 bucks, um, because it definitely does feel kind of like a B game. So I think being able to play it on on your Xbox with Game Pass is is a really good thing. Um, yeah, or if you're someone like Joel from Super GG Radio, uh, where he is vowed to not purchase a single game this year, yeah, uh, he, to work through his backlog and o- only use the subscriptions he currently has, one of which is Game Pass. Like, if there there's probably other people like doing it for budget conscious reasons, totally. Uh, and like, yeah, it coming to Game Pass, like a brand new game that's not an Xbox or uh, Microsoft Game Studio, like that's awesome. That's fantastic. And, and yeah, it's even more fantastic because one thing that that game nails is it has really good crossplay support. So oh, yeah, totally. By it being free on Xbox, it means that it's going to improve the PC experience. A great comparison is I think this game is probably on a similar quality level to something like the Avengers game, um, since sure. there's. Fewer built-in expectations since it's doesn't it's not called the Avengers. I think I'm a little more charitable to it, um, but uh, and it's also not being sold as the same kind of like expanding service game. And I've already seen more enemy types in it than there are in Avengers just in the demo. But anyway, um, <laughs> no uh, thoughts. It, the biggest bummer with Avengers for me was I bought it on PC and the PC player base just is non-existent. Fizzled uh, out immediately. Point. Yeah, yeah, and um, so to know that. Because of crossplay, that that that'll keep everyone's playing together basically across platforms, and that there's this huge uh, influx of players. Who knows if it'll be on Game Pass for six months or a year or forever? Yeah, yeah, they but do still, things out. So it'll be it'll be fun to to have access to people to play with. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and it's a cool game. If you have Game Pass, you should in an Xbox. You should check it out. I think it's fun. And if you don't, you should check out the demo because I think that's fun. Yeah. What else was at this event? I again didn't watch it. I just kind of read the, yeah. the synopsis. So um there was that well I'll there was an adventure thing, the, wasn't there? There was. Uh they did it's kind of ridiculous because Avengers they do their own that's actually one thing they do pretty well is they have these things called war tables where they preview uh, upcoming content. And they're right. pretty good. They're actually pretty well done. Um and the big thing that they did was detail a bunch of stuff about this Hawkeye DLC that came out this week, which... Oh, it's already out. Okay. Yeah. That was why I was like, why are they showing this? Because it was literally out the day that the event happened. And I kind of get it, but it was also... I, I was very low on it and was if they weren't going to show new stuff. And like, I don't need to see Hawkeye's gameplay. Nobody's going to be sold on buying Avengers from seeing Hawkeye's gameplay. Um sure. And if anything, they made me less excited for the expansion because they were like, oh, the aimbots are in the future. And I was wait, kind of hoping wait. maybe there would be new enemies. They do actually call them aimbots? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought we were just well, making so, a goof. No, no, no. <laughs> so the, the, the it's advanced idea mechanics is the name of the like big bad corporation. 
Oh. Um, and they have these robots called aimbots because uh, they go by aim because <laughs> they're advanced idea mechanics. Um, uh, yeah, well, Instant Messenger got it. Yeah. For what it's worth, aimbots have existed long before in Marvel Comics, long before PC gaming existed. So, okay. uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> it is it it is not a pun. Um, okay, they've been around since like the '60s. So, uh, anyway, um, as far as I know, please don't write a email the comic book podcast if you have a problem or a correction for me. Uh, comic at fix dot space comics um, comics I believe. Yeah, uh, but uh. Anyway, the other the, the it ended up being okay because they showed a teaser for the Wakanda thing, which I desperately needed because I needed to know that they are still developing new content for that game and that they aren't like going like we'll see how the Hawkeye thing does and then pull the plug. Yeah, um, I yeah. think that the Wakanda thing has the potential to be that game's taking king moment if they do a really good job with it, but they desperately need to inject some new gameplay like new enemies and new environments we can expect, but like there needs to be new boss fights and stuff and like a group thing. That's hard. Like the raid thing that you do in this game currently is single player. And all it is, is just 15 rooms in a row of the content that you can do otherwise. So it's, yeah, that doesn't sound rough. It's rough. And it's sad because I don't agree with Andre. I think the game's fun to play. It's just that the content sucks. So um, the, I, I really hope that they... And the, the other thing is that's, that's disappointing is the fact that they actually are doing it very right in that it's not like Destiny. All this stuff is additive. It's not like now that the Hawkeye stuff is out, the Kate Bishop stuff is gone. All of that stuff is still there forever. So you could pick the game yeah. up in a year and you'd have way more game to play than if you picked it up right now and ostensibly and it'll be cool. So anyway, well, the, I hope the Wakanda well, stuff is good. I was going to say, hopefully it doesn't follow the Destiny trajectory where they start removing stuff <laughs> so it no, yeah, is no longer I don't, cumulative. I'll be honest, um, the stuff they're adding is so slim that mm. I don't think they have anything to worry about, but we'll see what happens with Fair the enough. Wakanda stuff. <laughs> um, I hope it's cool. Uh, and definitely is the thing that I think is going to be kind of its put-up-or-shut-up moment if the Wakanda stuff comes out and it's at the same like level of depth as this Hawkeye stuff, then I don't know where that game's going to be in a couple of years. I think they're going to have to pivot to a free to play model pretty quick to even get anyone to play it. I'm um, surprised it. Uh, I, I always thought it seemed like it would work better as a free to play. I agree. I think they should have put it out as free to play and then charged for new characters and totally. story content yeah. personally. Absolutely. And I don't mean like a lot. I think it should be like, five dollars for stuff at the Kate Bishop level of, of gameplay where it's like reusing existing environments, but with some new cutscenes, and maybe 10 bucks for the Hawkeye level stuff. Um, or alternatively toys to life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like toys to life personally, but I'm in the extreme yeah. minority cause I don't mind that. It's I, a little bit predatory. <laughs> I, yeah. I think they're cool uh, in yeah. concept and, and frankly in execution, the business side of it, it's up to, up to your discretion, but I think everything surrounding it is cool. I almost bought I almost bought a full lot of Disney Infinity recently because it was like three hundred dollars, and I that's, love that's, Disney Infinity. That's everything for yes. Disney Infinity that and ever came out. Right? To be honest, that's less than what you would have spent at retail <laughs> over time. Uh, Probably, yeah. Because the game, you know, since the servers are dead for the toy box stuff, you can still play all the single player stuff, but the the online stuff is dead. That did not increase in value <laughs> like collectors hoped. Anyway, um, 
I would be totally fine with a adult focused toys to life, uh, Marvel game. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the other small stuff, they talked about the tomb Raider 25th anniversary, which is cool. Um, I was a big tomb Raider fan in the nineties when I was a kid. Uh, and, um, didn't have never played the new tomb Raider games as much as I should. Cause they're sounds yeah. like better. I know um, Andre likes them though. Maybe yeah. not the most recent one, but my partner, my partner likes them a lot. Um, she liked the most recent one to a fair bit as well. Although her favorite, I think was the first one. Um, right. but if, and you can get a collection of the current tomb Raider or the most recent tomb Raider trilogy. The However, it does, it doesn't run on PS five. Yeah, so I was that's... like, maybe I'll buy that collection. Nope. Cause it's I would like to play those games on console. And it's shocking to me that they wouldn't use this opportunity to do like even the bare minimum, like a, like just up it or something, not even yeah. like a full remaster, but no. And what's the funniest thing is you can actually just buy the games individually and they do work on PS five. It's just this collection. <laughs> just collection. Wow. So weird. That's, so anyway, yeah. Uh, Lara Croft is in Fortnite this season, so you know, <laughs> celebrate the 20th anniversary. Yeah. It's a really good skin, actually. They did a good job with her. Uh, so that was cool. Um, they talked about Just Cause Mobile, along with like a bunch of other mobile stuff. And I cannot, I Just cannot begin to imagine mobile. a Just Cause, a game I would want to play less on a phone well, than Just Cause. Like, okay. Is it, it, does it look like Just Cause or is it more like, what was the other game they did? Um, Renegade Ops. Is it more like that kind of thing or it's like, no, it's symmetric? It, it, well, it was hard to tell from the trailer. You don't play as, um, Rico or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah um, Rico. It's, it's, it's like a, a team. It's, I think it's going to be like you create your character and it'll be a mobile game, um, where you're getting stuff for your character. But, um, I don't. I got the impression that it's basically just cause gameplay, but I don't know. I could be totally wrong. It, I could have gotten the wrong. It was so hard to track and parse that trailer because like, at least when they showed that dumb final fantasy seven battle Royale trailer, they showed people playing the game with UI and stuff. Yeah. I can't even remember if they showed that at all for this one because it was so like scattershot and all over the place. Um, like but I don't know. I also kind of basketball scene. I kind of, yeah, I kind of tuned out because it was, like I, I can't i have zero interest in this game um then they they totally like pulled a switcheroo and they had some really cool space invaders stuff that made it look like maybe they were going to do a like space invaders championship edition or like a space invaders like tetris effect kind of take oh um, yeah that would be interesting with, it was a really pretty like trailer with live action people interacting with space invaders various space invaders things I was like, that'd be awesome. I love Space Invaders. So, and then it's a AR mobile game. So I also then tuned <laughs> out at that point because I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, uh, AR, uh, yeah, AR nope. can be cool, but eh. it can be, but not. I don't have any interest in playing an AR Space Invaders. I don't want to have any interest in playing a Space Invaders game on a touchscreen. Period. Um, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, probably not. So I don't know. Maybe it'll bring in some interest in space invaders and they'll make a cool version of it. Did they ever make uh, that space invaders movie? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. Oh, well, 
there was a couple other mobile things that were not interesting to me at all. And then uh, they also, I'm going a little out of order here because I'm going to talk about the two interesting things last, the two most interesting things last. But um, uh, Balan Wonderworld, they talked about briefly, which yeah. it sounds like that game's terrible. So Yeah, I never played uh, the demo, but all I heard people say, like universally across every podcast I listen to, everybody I talked to, they said it was really, really bad. <laughs> and like not bad in a, like maybe the full game's better. Not like Outriders where like, clearly to get the full depth of the game you need to play past the demo even though the demo is substantial this is a case where it's like no the basic fundamental yeah like terrible everything about it from playing it to moving and everything yeah the whole selling point is that it's super fucking shallow and all that you do is jump in it so i don't know yeah it's like Uh, i don't know if i have this totally right i haven't played it but it's basically like kind of ripping off not ripping off it's taking influence from mario odyssey where you're getting different costumes that give you different abilities but like the controls of them are apparently just real awful and, and they're not particularly creative yeah from what i understand it's very basic like they do yeah. almost nothing um i don't know i think dreams sucks uh i hate that game <laughs> uh, wow. i know i'm not a big platformer Wait, guy in general you mean but nights into dreams or I forget the names of the different. I've played all of the dreams, different dreams games at certain points. Oh, okay. They've all so you're been not terrible. You're not talking about dreams, the media molecule game. No, 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 no. I'm oh, okay. About the, the, okay. The, Nights into dreams this, and all that. No, okay, yeah, yeah, dreams yeah. is cool. The, the Dreamcast dream dream thing is awesome. The Dreamcast yeah. game and the Sega. I believe yeah. there was a Genesis one prior to that, but maybe I misremember. There. I don't know. Oh, I'm not a Sega that, guy. But we used to rent <laughs> Sega consoles from sure. Blockbuster when I was a kid. That was my exposure to Sega, and it and and usually Dreams games would be what we would rent with them, but I can't remember for sure. All I remember is that I have played at least a half hour of multiple different Dreams games, including the one on Wii, and they were all garbage, and I hate them. Yep. Uh, you, you did some you did some loops, and you collected some yeah some shit. Sorry, I don't mean to piss off the Dreams fans in our audience, and I don't mean any ill will towards the the designer who created Dreams and is creating Bound Wonderland, but. Wonderworld. but it seems like shit <laughs> yeah anyway uh the cool stuff that they showed that actually kind of took this at this point in the pr- in the presentation i was like this is worse than that nintendo direct and the sony thing the playstation one yeah. but uh they showed the new life is strange and it looks like really good really really hmm. really good i'm i'm really colors? excited about it yeah it's made by the team that made that um the before the storm um, oh, okay. Which, you know, there's some shady stuff around the development of that game. They kind of did some, um, they worked with like kind of scab uh, voice actors for that because the, the original voice actors were participating in a strike at the time. Um, sure. But I don't know how much the dev had a hand in casting those roles and how much like Square Enix was involved in putting together. Sometimes the producers and the studios as the producers are have more to do with the casting of people so i don't know all i know is this new game true colors looks beautiful the art style is like incredible it's pretty similar to past life of strange games but there's something about it that it has like a little bit extra splash splash of color which makes a lot of sense because uh, it's called true is that colors. true uh yes it is um, wow. And it appears this this time around, it's a it's about a uh, young woman whose powers are that she can see people's like auras, but not mm. in the like in the the like spirit healer sense. But she can actually see 
like people's emotions. And so it gives her the ability to empathize with people. And I think that's a really cool twist on the life is strange, like kind of superpower thing, the way that that Mm -hmm. those, those games do that. And it's set in Colorado, uh, like in a gorgeous small town in the Rocky mountains. And the, the cast of characters looks great. Um, they went out of their way to talk about how, like, uh, I don't know if, if she's like canonically queer in the game, but there's multiple like relationship options that you can, you can pursue um, that uh, there's at least like uh, uh, people who present as like a man and a woman that you can um, engage with. And then you're, you know, solving a mystery like you would expect from a life of strange game, but there's something about, well, I know what it is from what they said and what they showed. It appears that in this game, it's basically like an open world. So Hmm. instead of linearly moving, it still has chapters. They're releasing them all at once, but it still has chapters. But instead of the way that Life is Strange, the first one anyway, I haven't played the second one, is kind of structured like a telltale game where you're you're like going through sequences and then moving on to the next one. Um, This, uh, from the looks of it, is more like you have an open environment that you can sort of freely explore and then go into spaces and, and engage with people and and do stuff. And like, I recently have been thinking a lot about it. If I were to make a video game, um, which I don't have the skills to do, but if I were to be able to create a direct video game, I really, the thing I would love to make that I feel like we don't have enough of is a sort of narrative focused adventure game with some mechanical elements that's set in like a small but very dense open world where you know you can explore everyday spaces with a little bit of like twist of like magic and it looks like that is very much what this game could be so um i'm I'm quite excited about it i think everything that they showed was really promising uh and they're also doing a remaster of the first season and um before the storm for this one will work on new consoles um and they look like serious remasters, not just like a, a resolution pass. They actually are like redoing visuals and stuff. So there's some some heft behind them. Well, uh, when did that first game come out? It was like Is 2016 it... or something. 20... Yeah, yeah so I think 2016. I'm going to look it up just to be sure. But yeah, like it's not a new game. No, no it must have been closer to 2014. Let's see. Really? Because okay. I remember... I was living somewhere else. Uh, 2015. Yeah. Okay. I was living. I was living in a specific city. I remember playing it there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I um, I remember playing, trying to get into it and bouncing off. And I remember, um, watching uh, Austin Walker and Alex Navarro playing it at Giant right. Bomb. So it right. would have had to have been a while ago. Um, and uh, and yeah, I I've ne- I've always bounced off those games, but I can't tell you why. Really, I think it's just that that structure the telltale structures never really appealed to me and i think maybe that's my issue with life is strange i think i would probably like the second season more because the episodes are more like longer chunks there's only like three of them or something and each of them are like a few hours instead of an hour but i'm gonna pick up these remasters when they come out and try that because i think i would like it and apparently this new game i believe if i remember correctly they did say that it does have some nods to the the first game and before the storm there's like a character from before the storm that shows up in true colors don't 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 nod 
Oh, <laughs> this is not don't nod. I know it's worth but- <laughs> They're called some. They're called Deck Nine, which is also a weird name. That is a weird name. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm excited yeah, about that. The, the, I was just saying they could have nods, but don't you know? Got it. Got it. Now I hear you. I was yeah, talking yeah. too fast to stop and realize what I was saying. <laughs> um, that looks good. Uh, then also, uh, oh, also, they hit on. I forget her name, but there's a um, uh, the 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 woman who does the is doing the music or providing the voice, I guess, for the main character when she sings. Um, introduced like the main character playing creep on a guitar. Oh, and. It's cute. I mean, it's it's good. It reminded me of The Last of Us 2 guitar sequence, which is like mm. one of the only parts of that game that I really, really, really do like. Uh, but, and Creep is a good song. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not anywhere near Radiohead's best work, but it's good. Uh, but they played, she plays the censored version, which totally changes the context of that song, in my opinion. And is not as good. Uh, mm. It's up there with Johnny Cash's version of "Hurt" to me, of like r- kind of ruining <laughs> the 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 emotional impact of the song by censoring it. Mm. Um, and then the reason that it's that I bring it up is because the next trailer they showed was for uh, Project Althea, Athia, whatever, um, which was the you know Gary Witta sort of was involved in a creative is involved in a creative capacity. It's their big new RPG thing. And like the first dialogue is that this, the character goes, is that a motherfucking dragon? Which (laughs) (laughs) why can you just said you're so fucking special in the, in the previous trailer. Yeah. (laughs) That's like, that's, that's that's in a way that's like motherfucker and fucking are, sort of on different tiers of what's considered offensive. Anyway, it was ridiculous. Uh, but that Project Athia game, it I'm more intrigued by it now than I was at first. When they first sort of showed art from it, I was like, oh, Square Enix is making a fantasy RPG. Who would have thought that Square wow. Enix yeah, would produce Square. a fantasy RPG? Um, but Finally. now that it's it's it looks like it does have some interesting stuff going on. It's it's about you play as like a um like a magic user, like a sorceress or witch. I don't know how they're referring to her. Sure. But um and it looks like maybe there's some like sh- Narnia sort of stuff going on where she's from the real world and then goes into the fantasy world. Uh, uh so it's like Nino Kuni. <laughs> sort of, but edgier, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um but the main and character without- looks like Without a Welsh partner. Yeah. The main character looks like she's a cool design and some of the traversal stuff they showed was cool. It kind of reminded me of the way that Final Fantasy 15 looks in motion, which I think is a positive mm. thing because I haven't played enough of that game to know if the detractors or the if I if I'm on the side of a detractor or or someone who's pro that game, but I love the way that game looks in motion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this kind of had a similar vibe to me. And then She's doing like magic stuff, which is cool. She's not just swinging a sword around. Um, so I don't know. Cool. I think it looks cool. And they also announced that the name of it is Forspoken, um, yeah. which I think is a cool name. And it is. And like Andre had found when he was trying to look up a trailer for it that the trailer had three different names. Yeah. It was like Forspoken, there was Project Athia, and there was like some other third Witch, one that I, I don't believe. even. Yeah, I Witch. Witch. That's right. Is what they, it was like. So. <laughs> 
but I'm pretty sure Forspoken is the correct name because they had like yes. art that said in the yeah. like title treatment. Sam thinks yeah, it's a bad name. Since Sam's not here, I can say that he's wrong. It's a cool name. It's evocative. But yeah, yeah, I think it seems it seems cool from what I've heard. Yeah, and I mean, Gary would have wrote one of my favorite Star Wars movies, so he's a he's a skilled um, crafter of stories. Uh, yeah. And if he's involved in actually writing the story for this game, that could be uh, pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for that. I think they put it. They said 2022 on that, which I was under the impression that game was like three to four years out when they announced it mm-hmm. last year. So 2022 seems pretty soon. But I mean, yeah, all things maybe considered. they're confident from what I understand. It seems like a lot of Square Enix's teams have transitioned through COVID pretty effectively. So. Um, from what I've heard. So yeah, maybe they will be, maybe we'll actually play that next year. Yeah. They are one of the few non indie studios that will be able to put out games in this, this coming year. Speaking of non indie studios, uh, Sony bought Evo. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Which is wild. <laughs> um, that's I, so bizarre. I, yeah. I wasn't expecting to read that news. A lot of times game news comes out, like games get delayed or, um, like this week, we don't have it in our news, but like uh, Gotham Knights was delayed, and yeah. I was like, yeah, of like, course it was. Yeah, I, uh, that's why I didn't put it in news because it's like, no, yeah. yeah, of course that game was never going to come out this year. Uh, and like things like uh, like like you know Activision Blizzard laying off a ton of staff, which we could talk about in a few minutes. I'm like, of course yeah. they did because they're terrible. I did not expect to see that Sony was buying Evo. That's a wild thing. Um, Especially That's... given how aggressively the fighting game community seems to want, has always seemed to want to stay separate from corporate. Oh, interest. totally. Yes, so it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's just so strange. Because, like, it's okay. So, is Evo more than just the tournament? Like, I don't know. Is, actually, is, I'm not like because I, I don't know what the full organization is. Like, I, I think... know of Evo because of the Las Vegas fighting game tournament that happens every year. I th- I want to say that they put the Evo name on more minor tournaments too. That in like the Evo sure. Championship Series or something. Oh sure, that um, sounds familiar. Yeah, and so I think that they do have a wider events. But frankly, I think this could be positive because, as much as I respect the fighting game community's desire to remain um, s- separate, it seems like it has also led to an enormous amount of harassment and misconduct oh, yeah. within the community without any yeah. kind of like adults in the room, I guess. And again, I, I I don't like to imply that like you need a corporation to manage you to be cool and not do that stuff. Cause that obviously it's, happens at corporations too, but yeah, it's just the FGC is not known for being particularly, uh, civil. Let's say. Yeah. So I don't know. This could be a positive thing. I, I mean, Sony tends to do right by their studios and properties or at least they have done since sort of the start of the PS4 era. Yeah. So letting them have it, autonomy and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could have a lot. It could be positive. It could mean that there's somebody who has to answer. There's, it could be that that mean that there's someone to answer to for the people running it. So they don't have the same kind of, um, free reign to be shitty. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not well enough versed in the specifics of all of the bad stuff that was going on. I just know it was bad and there was a lot of it. So, Oh um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> it also seems like this acquisition maybe saved 
than that name because they canceled the tournament last year because of all that stuff. Um, It was easier to cancel because of COVID, but it was very much because of the the harassment allegations that it was that it was canceled from my understanding. Um, Yeah. So. But yeah, that getting, looks like for this year. Yeah, I was gonna say getting outside of the shitty FGC FGC human element, the other interesting thing that I've seen people talking about is what does it mean for Smash or like non-Sony properties? And it seems uh, like yeah. the response was that they're gonna continue having non-Sony properties uh present at this tur- the tournament. I think it would be smart for Sony to take it to do it that way. Um Yeah, I think and, so too. Um I think that that's how they'll they'll handle it. I don't I think that Sony is generally more inclined to shut down that kind of stuff than Microsoft. But I do think in this case, this just makes sense because I don't think you buy Evo with the intent. I don't think they're tone deaf enough to buy Evo with the intent of just turning it into a PlayStation marketing event. Yeah. Um, it'd be like, it'd be like buying packs and then yes. saying like, Oh no, but we're only allowed to show, uh, you know, uh, Sony stuff. Yeah. This is now the Sony entertainment expo, which would exactly. Be- Wild. That would um, be weird, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. I do think they'll use this as a, an opportunity to say like, well, yes, Smash is still there, but the main stage is these games, and they're all best on PlayStation. Yeah, um, like here's Mortal like, Kombat. Here's you're not playing whatever. Yeah, you're not going to play Guilty Gear on Guilty your Gear, Switch. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm actually thinking I think I'm going to buy that Guilty Gear game. It looks really good. Anyway, um, yeah, looks looks really pretty. Uh, I've heard I've heard the lobby system is bizarre and not great, but yeah. it seems like a good game overall. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that that's all pretty interesting, and I'm interested to see where they go with it. I think one thing that this could potentially mean is that the accessing Evo will maybe be a little bit more um, simple for people who, like me, have an interest but aren't like in that community. Um, mm. Like, I, I wonder if maybe Sony will put some muscle into marketing the event. Like, one thing for me is a lot of times, because <laughs> I'm not in that community, the week afterwards, it'll be like, oh, did you see this crazy thing from Evo? Here's a cool clip. And I'm like, wow, I, I would have watched that live, but I didn't realize it was even happening. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Uh, Evo, Evo, well, not last year, but every year it sneaks up on me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Evo's happening right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it would be pretty cool if I turned on my PlayStation and there was a thing that was like, hey, watch Evo, push this, push the X button right now to watch Evo. Um, would would be neat. So Yeah, and um, I imagine they're gonna have like Evo sales, like here's all our fighting games on sale kind of stuff. And you have to imagine they're gonna have oversight on like the commentary teams and the people that are yeah. on the desk and Sony's good sure. at picking people for that kind of stuff. So yeah. And uh, yeah. something Evo's done a little bit of this, but um, I would say Valve has been better at it with the international. It would be great to have like a newcomer stream, like yeah. uh, have have Absolutely. one stream with like like the in depth, really moment to moment commentary you would expect from like a you know Just Wong does a bit of that and now now these days, but like yeah, like the newcomer streams where it's like they're explaining okay why are they doing this, why are they uh, like break it down a little slower, being like wow this was cool because. Mm-hmm. Like like those kinds of streams are great. Yep, yep. Um, I watch the Dota newcomer stream usually for a few matches just to catch up on any new heroes or like any or mechanics or yeah meta stuff that I wasn't familiar with because um, I don't usually watch the the tournaments leading up to the international. So yeah, uh, it's I think it could be a positive thing. I don't know. Um, I don't like the acquisition of companies generally, but uh, 
This seems yeah. like it's more of a saving Evo kind of thing to me. Yeah, this so. one is more bizarre and strange, so I'm more interested in seeing what happens with it. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so also here uh, we have the... Um, this is really cool. I want to play these games. So Red Candle Games, who is a mm. Taiwanese developer, they're based in Taiwan, correct? Yep. Um, they were, they have two games, Devotion and Detention. I don't know much about Detention, but I've heard Devotion is genuinely quite good. Um, and uh, they're a horror game developer, very small team. And Devotion included a sort of uh, portrayal, the, the, who is it? Is it President Xi that it, that it portrays? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember for sure. But um, it, it portrays him in the, the the president of the People's Republic of China as uh, Winnie the Pooh, which is something that um, is the Chinese he government active. He actively bans, and thus yes. the government actively um, bans. It is. It is like this is like actual. When you talk about censorship, this is actual censorship. <laughs> this yeah. is actual government censorship. The kind of very bad censorship. Um, yeah, and the like. You don't have the real coming for your free speech sort of censorship, not like getting banned on Twitter for being a, a, a spewing hate speech. Um, yeah, like devotion had the censorship of being put on multiple stores and then the government of China forcibly removing it or threatening the stores in their removal, essentially. And, and even worse, you know, obviously any action of this kind is, is inherently wrong and is a violation of human rights in my opinion, but even worse than the government saying, um, no, you know what? We don't like this. We're taking it off the store. The 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 developers were threatened with like oh yeah, I believe with like prison time and stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it was like yeah. a violent yeah. form of censorship. Um, anyway, I don't. I believe they took that out of the game. That I don't. I believe these are censored versions of the game. I'm not positive on that, so I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but the, I did. I did pick up the full bundle. So cool. Uh, I'm going to do that uh, this weekend. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know if we mentioned that, that they basically put up their own shop, uh, yep. not related to any retailer. It's just, you go through their shop, you download the games directly from them. Uh, I have so heard, they don't have to worry about censorship of third party or third party censoring them essentially. Yep. I have heard that some banks don't. And I think this is because they're a pretty small storefront. That's relatively new in another country. So if you're buying from, United States or Canada, it can, some banks are flagging the transactions um, because they ping off as like happening in the other country or something. Um, so, uh, you know, if you do get the transaction declined, check with your bank, they'll let, they'll let it go through. It's them that are, it's an anti-fraud yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, when I, when I went through, I, uh, it didn't have like a PayPal option or anything like that. It was just pure, uh, yeah. Put in your credit card number. And then, yes, it did go through my bank to be like, oh, confirm this is you with the two factor in my case. Yep. So, yep. Um, it's not totally surprising, I guess. Yep. But anyway, uh, I think it's a good thing to support, even if you don't like horror games. I don't think it's a particularly expensive bundle. Um, no, you can get both games and both soundtracks for like 30 bucks. Yeah. Cool. Um, and from what yeah. I've heard, if you do like horror games, and, and I do, um, Devotion is, is genuinely good. Uh, and it was like, discussed as really upsetting that it was taken down in part because it's a cool game that people should be able to play because it's good not just because it sucks that they were treated yeah. the way they were 
Um, yeah, not just because it's controversial. It's like no, it's actually yeah, yeah, a legitimately yeah, no. good game. The the the, con- the 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 silly thing about the controversial part is the it's throw it's almost I don't want to say throwaway. That's not fair because everything's intentional. But it's a very minor. It's not relevant to the story necessarily. It's just in trying to um clutter and i mean that in the constructive sense in 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 trying to make the space look realistic and the portrayal of the like this room realistic there just happens to be one of these memes sitting there on like a desk um mm. because it's a it's a young taiwanese person <laughs> and so it's not crazy to think that they, that they would have something like that just kind of laying around the way that any of us would have a, a funny picture laying around um so anyway, uh, I think it's worth supporting them, and I definitely intend to pick up that bundle. Um, yeah, it looks like it's thirty three fifty six US to pick up the complete bundle, but you can get bundles of the soundtrack and games separately. Twenty bucks for devotion and seventeen bucks for detention. So yeah, uh, it's very cool. Yeah, support uh, them developers. Yeah, definitely. Um, next up, uh, one of I think one of the best games of all time. Um, hmm. Disco Elysium, the final cut, was refused classification in Australia, which effectively bans it there because yeah. the won't cut, carry it if it doesn't not given its rating. This is like the ESRB equivalent, I believe. Yeah, um, which is interesting. So I think when I was reading about it, it's because I think what it said in their reasoning was because of drug use, essentially, because mm. uh, your character is under the influence of drugs at some points in that game. Um, several points but, in the game but, but it's interesting that the PC release has been out for a few years now and as far as I'm aware it's fine in Australia for the moment yeah well, I don't up, know up until, up until now I, I know that there's a lot of politics in the way that Australian classification board classifications boards manage media um, yeah. and it seems to me that perhaps it could be that that game is a extremely i mean it is politics embodied it is a game about politics very much perhaps people on the classifications board feel that it is politics that they don't want like younger people to access through their consoles maybe Um, yeah and i i guess there is a notable difference of having it on a brick and mortar store shelf versus on steam yeah um i think it's a bullshit different i mean yeah no i agree but it makes me angry because I mean, this game is, is, is capital I important. Like it's, it's yeah. When we talk about high versus low art. This is like kind of the highest form of video game art that you can find. It was, it was universally our game of the year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The year it came out. Um, it, it just so happened that it came out the same year as outer wilds, which is my personal (laughs) favorite game. Um, but I would say disco Elysium is probably my favorite role-playing game at this point. Um, having some distance from it. Yeah. Uh, and I and think it's perhaps the best written game ever made. Um, it's so good. So and the final cut seems brilliant. amazing from everything. Yeah, I'm so adding. excited. I think I, I'm going to buy it on PlayStation. I think I'll play it, I think I'll play it too. Uh, yeah. Like, even though like I play disco, I'm not one to replay games very often, but me neither. Uh, but yeah, they're adding like full voice acting. They're adding like new scenarios. Like it sounds yep. great. Yeah. I will. I think I'm going to pick it up on PS five, um, to, uh, to, to, to sit in, on the couch and play it. And, um, kind of see it again and and everything and uh, yeah yeah I can't recommend it highly enough to people and it sucks that they're doing this to it in Australia and I hope that there's some pushback uh, from 
people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't mean to necessarily, I don't know for sure. I don't know the specifics of their ratings board. So I don't mean to imply that they're trying to censor it for its political messaging, but yeah. um, I know that I, it is. I almost imagine I, I'm not going to say this for certain, but I feel like Zaum or Zaum or however it's supposed to be pronounced, the developer would probably be winking and nodding to Australia and be like, you know, if you needed to, you could just download it in some nefarious ways. Potentially, yeah. I mean, like they seem like the kind of developer who would say that. Yeah, and <laughs> um, you know, it is a. I can tell you that, you know, um. At least in the United States, the politics of that game are pretty universally derided by the mainstream. So, as someone whose sure. politics align pretty closely with that game's worldview, um, I, I I think uh, it's really important, and I think you should check it out uh, if you have not. And, and we've talked about it at length in previous previous times, but yes, it does align with those politics. But also, it lets you play the other side if you oh. so desire. That's the important thing about it: is if you want to be an ultra fascist or however they put it. You can totally be it in that game, and you get treated appropriately for yes. your choices, uh, and that's that's what matters. And and also, I think it's also an informative game. I don't think it's mm, one of the things yeah. I like about that game is it's not sitting there like it's almost not moralizing at you. I mean, it's clear it is in that it, it it's it's clearly opposed to fascism with its own political views. Oh, but yeah. it's, it's so it's much smarter. <laughs> it, it but it's also smarter about the ways in which it rebukes those ideas than most western media which is to like have a nazi and then have a guy with the american flag kill the nazi which is good (laughs) i mean killing nazis is good (laughs) in video games but uh yeah i don't know it's disco elysium is really smart about the ways it talks about those themes and it wouldn't surprise me if there were some countries where the government would go, mm, not so much. Wait a minute. Yeah. We are the fascists. So, and my understanding is that Australia's political landscape, like the United States, is yeah, pretty fraught. And it's not very good right now. Yeah. Uh, um, I recommend yeah. following folks like Damon and uh, Nock from the, from the team that what develops Necrobarista. They yeah, have some very uh, interesting insights into uh, Australian politics. Yeah, James Swinbacks, who Banks, who mm. uh, is is a is a is a cool person, and um, I know I've had some really lovely interactions with them on Twitter. Is another good one to follow. It's based in Australia, um, and I I want to say um, Edmund Tran is too. Also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, former Australian editor and senior video producer at GameSpot, currently at ScreenHub. Um, cool. So he's a good follow as well for some Australia. Everyone needs more Australian follows and politics in their life. I feel like it's a country we don't well, think about enough in, and the this United, is at least of, in North America. And well, this is Disco Legion is a good game to talk about this. And something I frequently see from Australian game developers is that it's very hard to make a video game. Um, which is successful in English, uh, which is not American centric. Mm-hmm. So, like, it is very difficult for uh, Zaum, like, making games out of Poland and all the like, like, to make that very, like, Eastern European in nature. Like, and the fact that this one was successful is fantastic. 
Yep. But like Necrobarista, like uh, you can see Damon talking about like, yeah, having this be very Australian at its heart means we probably found way less success than if we'd said it in like, you know, Boston or something. Yeah. Like it, it, it uh, English side of media, America is a dominant market. And like, even if you consider things like the UK and Australia and like other pre- predominantly English speaking countries, all the media they consume when it comes to games is very centered around the yeah. American localization, the American, uh, just everything. So, well, and American culture is so pervasive because of yeah. frankly, like the spread of, of, of our imperialistic ways and, yeah, totally. and colonial that's ways. Fair. It's the same thing that's true of, of culture from England where like or everyone Spain. knows. Yeah. Everyone knows what New York city is. Everyone in the world mm. knows like, you may not be able to pick out the New York city skyline, but if you show a picture of the statue of Liberty on something, everyone mm-hmm. knows what that looks like. And sure. Like the Sydney opera house is kind of like that for, for Australia, but sure. I can't speak to what the culture of Melbourne is like, but many people can have at least some sort of stereotypical view of what like Los Angeles is like, because they've seen movies or, you know, played a game or played Grand Theft Auto Five or something. Um, yeah. So it, it just is. American culture is so pervasive, and um, and and everywhere that you know we've it's kind of been pushed on people. And then in the mainstream, it's hard to break in if you are telling a story that's that's based in you know other places, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, yeah tangent about <laughs> world media but definitely uh <laughs> and necropriest is a great one to play to get a little bit of insight into that because there's some wild stuff in that game that you go like oh this is actually an aspect of australian culture that's rad and i didn't know that totally uh, so yeah it, it involved a lot of googling <laughs> yes uh speaking of grand theft auto 5 uh we have a story here that rockstar's thanked a fan for their fix for long GTA five load times and incorporated it on their PC and console releases. Yeah. And um, I think they actually, they compensated the person as well, like $10,000 cool. or something like, that's uh, cool. yeah, like people were saying, I don't know, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's say the launch or the load time was like five minutes to get into GTA online or something. I don't know if it's actually that long. I think it's but like now two minutes, but yeah, sure. Yeah. But now it's like at least have that uh, yeah. or at or more in some cases and yeah this person just suggested this fix and like showed the evidence behind it and then uh rockstar were like looked into it they're like yeah you're totally right this is awesome great job person and yeah now it's officially part of the game sony jim ryan helman hurst i know you're listening to the show i know you listen religiously every week <laughs> uh-huh. do this with bloodborne the the patch <laughs> exists <laughs> to well, put the Pay the same. Pay the person who made the patch and put the patch in the game so we can have sixty FPS Bloodborne. Yeah. Hey, Square. Uh, ever heard of the Far mod? I've never heard of the Far mod. That's that's for near Automata on PC. Oh, okay. Or what's the Dark Souls one? Um, DS fix. DS fix. Yeah. Get some DS fix. In I want to say that I mean, they not, basically, not Square, but when they did Dark Souls remastered. That basically incorporates that on PC, and I that's believe awesome. you got remastered for free when they put it out. Anyway, if you had Dark Souls one, anyway, more of this stuff. This, I mean, like the amount of money that that 2K really, as the parent company, has to pay this person 
for this fix is like trivial to them and it could be life changing to that person. Totally. And so if they're a fan and they did great work, just compensate them and put it in the game. It's and credit them. Put their name in the credits. That 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 would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, like it seems so simple to me to do this. Even as someone who understands aspects of like consultancy and business development and, and like the workings of a business, it's really not that hard to pay that person as a contractor and have them sign over the this work that they're doing clearly because they want to improve the game. So anyway. Yeah, the, I don't imagine they did it out of frustration or anger. They probably did it because they're like passionately loving the game and they just want to improve it. Yeah, like you yeah. said. So. Um, so yeah, would love to see more of that kind of stuff. But those stories <laughs> are on the board. Speaking of corporations, yeah, uh, Activision Blizzard laid off a bunch of people. Um, and there, there's actually corporation. some news came out today that they're looking to lay off more people from Blizzard uh, this as of this morning. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, they Bobby Kotick is one of the biggest scumbags in entertainment. I'm happy to say, uh, like outside of even just games, because um, he's been in Moneyball. Is that why? Yeah. Well, he's a fucking asshole. Um, and you know, uh, I absolutely hope that I don't wish to, I, turn, I don't wish death on, the, on people, but I hope <laughs> that he uh, has a really bad burrito and gets like awful diarrhea that lasts many days. Um, uh, and he has to take his conference calls calls from the can. Let's uh, days. Uh, let's give it months. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that I was being too harsh, and I was going to push no. back. But no, I'm happy to make it worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, and to be noted about Bobby Kotick, that's one of the shittier parts of it. Well, it's already shitty that people are being laid off. Like it seems like the severance package they were given was half good, or let's say three quarters good, one quarter like what the fuck are you doing? Which was like they're getting however many months. Yeah, they're giving him a two hundred dollar, two hundred fifty dollar, like battle net <laughs> gift card as part I'll of the say, severance package. It's I don't like, want to say anything kind about Activision in these in this instance, but I will say severance is definitely not. If you're listening from another country where there's severance is pretty common, I've never gotten severance when I've like I've never gotten laid off in this way. But I've been at companies where other people have been laid off and they've never gotten severance. Um, yeah. So severance is so, not a guaranteed thing in the professional world in the United States. But, yeah, especially not in the game industry. Um, yeah. So the fact that it's there at all is good, but the fact that a gift card was a part of it is just very um, tone deaf, let's say. Um, yeah. Regardless, the the other half of the news is that Bobby, Bobby Kotick is now making like an extra $200 million in bonuses oh, this yeah. year. Because yeah. the company's performing great. But you know they had to lay off these 50, 100, 200 people, however it ends up being. like, And that is... So, uh, fucking stupid i mean i don't want to take away anything from the part of the reason i said bobby kodak's piece of shit at the top of this because i don't want this to come off as some kind of defense of him or activision but that is also how capitalism works like when you the whole purpose of this corporation to exist is for them to make more money for their shareholders so they're always looking to get rid of people wherever they can to reduce costs and increase what their shareholders make and that in turn then means that their ceo gets to make a shitload more money and it's disgusting and you know uh it's it's and it's disgusting because there are people who are passionate about making video games that are still working at blizzard too and it's traumatic for them as well to have to see people that they know laid off when and yeah it's well this is a big part of the reason i got out of working in games um 
Yeah. Because you never know if you, like a pink slip is around the corner. Even with these big companies where they're like Activision Blizzard posted a very large profit over over the fiscal year because we're near we're at the end of the fiscal year now and they've like on investor calls been like, Yeah, we're doing great, we're doing excellent. Like we've benefited from this pandemic because everybody's in and playing games. Yay. Uh like Call of Duty and Warzone and all those things are doing really excellent. But um so being at a company that is that successful and then just not knowing if you're going to be if you're going to have a job the next day the next week is extremely stressful it's extremely yeah. anxiety inducing and uh for a lot of people it, like PTSD is a strong word but it can have that effect of where oh, uh, they move yeah. they move to a new job and they do, they are just going to be anxious because they're conditioned yeah. to it like it is trauma i mean it's a different kind of trauma than um what some people experience for sure and maybe yeah. to different degrees but it's 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 a terrible thing I have friends yeah. who were laid off at companies in the past and it has affected them throughout their professional career. Um, so it's, it's, it's rough. And I kind of, the other angle of it that I, I didn't really like the, um, not that I'm saying, I think it's great that vicarious visions was folded into blizzard. That's like mm. on top of all this, that's like, man, right. this whole narrative is fucked. But I didn't like when people were, or I didn't agree with when people were like, Oh, they're just going to be put in a room and forced to make overwatch skins forever. Because for some people, yeah. With the way that I know, I only know this because I've had friends who have worked at Blizzard in the past. Culturally, when you work at Blizzard, lots of people there get really invested in the project. And there's people who love making Overwatch skins. That is something that they're deeply passionate about. And I agree that it's shitty to force people to do stuff they don't want to do. So I'm not necessarily being critical of anyone who's critical of the folding of Vicarious Visions into them. But they make properties like we can clown on stuff like world of warcraft and overwatch and diablo but these are franchises that have deeply passionate fan bases deeply passionate communities and deeply passionate people making them and it's so painful to hear about those people who don't deserve your ire like the artist making an overwatch skin doesn't deserve to be no. like attacked for the fact that they work there but it's also the company itself is so shitty and doing such shitty stuff uh, at a larger level. And it just sucks for everybody there. Everybody, of course, who is laid off and everybody who's frankly playing and enjoying their games too, because it means that there's less talent there to be making that stuff. So it's just terrible all around. Yeah. And one thing I was going to say, like specific, I can't find it. I've been kind of searching in the background, but I don't remember if it was like a mini documentary or something I saw or an interview that I read. It was many years ago, whenever Overwatch came out, like six years ago or something, um, where they were talking about the act of making skins and doing the animations for individual characters. And like, it's usually one person. Or when they were making it then, it was one person. Like, the person who, like, Lucio was all one person. And they decided, like, the way Lucio would animate and his personality and, uh, you know, like, the, the major skins he would get. Like, what, what would fit his personality and what would work and stuff. And same for May, same for Roadhog. You know, all the characters, they all had one individual person that was overseeing those things to make sure that it was consistent with that character. So, like, yes, you're 100% right. People are very passionate about that when they work on it because mm-hmm. it's. I don't want to say their character, but you know, it's the character that they have invested all this time in. Yeah, 
Yeah. And they impart, and that's true. I know because of people that I have known who've worked there, that's true of people who make maps. That's true of people who, um, work on sound design and music. I mean, it's a, not that that's not true at other developers either. That's not my, my implication, but, um, it's, 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 it's more than just a job for a lot of people. And so for them to just get the rug pulled out from under them, so Bobby Kotick can make another $200 million is just a fucking disgrace. And it is, if, if you, if it makes you angry, like <laughs> learn about the, the it, systems that prop it, that up because and it should, and it should learn about the reasons why that happens. Um, because it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like endemic to our economic system and culture and, it will hurt uh, mainstream art. It will drive it into the ground. Some would argue yeah. it already has. I don't think it's, I think there's still some good stuff from even places like Blizzard, but yeah. It and sucks. gaming is not a new industry anymore. And yeah. like these kinds of issues are things we should be thinking about because, like, yeah, it's, it, games in terms of just like stuff that people have in their houses has been around since the seventies, but at, at its most popular since the eighties, that's like 40 years ago. Y'all. Like, yeah. That's it's, we're no longer the nascent industry. We were then like, even at the 360 era, you could argue it was nascent because that was the start of online. But like, we've been doing this for over 10 years now. Like we, and, we should be able to understand what goes into making a game and the humans behind it. And, and be able to empathize with it. What's what is important to think about and to try to this is why it's so important to stay engaged and try to push places to do better. Um, is it's so different. There's nothing else like video games when it comes to the production of art because and oh, I mean yeah. that holistically as the game is a piece of art, not not specific mm-hmm. art in the game. Because if you look at movies, movies are made by film crews and usually it's people who are moving between different productions and they might be, and they're generally like contracting essentially like a cinematographer. Sure. They may have a relationship with a specific production company, but it's not the same thing as an animation rigger in a video game who works for a developer. And of course there are consultants and tons of consultants in the video game world as well. But blizzard, a blizzard game is a different thing than just like a Disney movie with the way that it's produced and the way that the labor is, is um, purchased and divided and stuff like that. And I say this to say like, yes, like Disney can fire James Gunn from making a movie and it sucks that he wouldn't, I mean, that was reversed, but it, it you know, at the time it sucked that he wasn't going to make another mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but then he can go work on another movie somewhere and still make James Gunn movies other places. Whereas if you nix half the art team on Overwatch, you're not going to get necessarily another game with like Overwatch style art or something like the game forever has a difference in talent and those people forever are going to go work on other things. And when people do that by their own choice, it's great. I mean, good for them. But when you're forced off of a project, it's, it's just, it's a very different thing. Um, you know, like well, let's, a, a band or a singer can go to a different label and make a different album or make the we, make, be them, you know, we can actually tie that into our next story because this is a positive story. Um, yeah. but her story has been kind of mired by a lot of the issues yeah, we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and that's Jade Raymond. And like Jade Raymond is finally going to probably maybe be able to put out a game 
You would hope. Because <laughs> like she she's been bounced between so many studios now, like EA and Stadia being the big ones recently, where it's like she started these projects and then it seems like for factors outside of her control, the games yeah. don't come out. And yeah. like it's 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 not her fault. She's an, she's proven herself. Like look at the Assassin's Creed games, look at Far Cry, like she's excellent at what she does. Mm-hmm. Um but like it's politicking. Frankly, yep. like it's it's internal internal politicking and business, yeah. Like, and she is a name that we can name, and we can look at that and be like, okay, yeah, we understand who this person is. We can follow their journey. But that, like you're right, there are a lot of people that we don't follow. And making games is a very holistic art. It is a deep integration of, uh, well, let's say visual art. So artists that are drawing things, that are modeling things, that are rigging animations and animation, of course. Then you have audio. So you have audio sound designers. Um, you have music, like, and the music has to fit the art and it has to do all this. And then, like, it's brought together with programming, which people don't often think of as art, but, like, oh, it is. In yeah. a way, in a way, it is. And uh, especially when you're integrating it with, you know, uh, animation systems and the art and uh, the visual art well, and the music and the sound effects and every, like when it all comes together, it's an incredibly complicated piece of work that like mm-hmm. it, it takes many people, many eons of experience behind each of these people. And like just when you get that all together, a game is really fucking complicated. And yeah. like, yeah, like it's so difficult when that, that doesn't get respected or it just kind of gets dismissed and and, and then Activision Blizzard just looks at the just decides hey Bobby Kotick needs a new yacht so especially fuck y'all. and especially cuz Bobby Kotick knows how hard it is to make video games the man isn't stupid like he's been doing this for decades for a long like, time yeah he knows exactly what these teams go through he knows exactly the kind of effort they make he knows about the passion he's just a shitty person and and unfortunately because of the way that our country and economic, not just our country, I shouldn't say that, like this is true of any capitalist country really, is is structured, it behooves, you know, boards of directors to appoint shitty people into the roles of that like Bobby Kotick has for them to make more money. Because yeah. they don't and, care if and, you get a good game. They care if there, they have money. There are, there are, I agree with you very much. There at least are instances of people who are not like that. Like yeah, we yeah, have yeah. Phil, like the Phil Spencers of the world, they're they're yeah, great. But, there's exceptions for sure, but but yeah, <laughs> yes, there's the Phil Spencers of the world, but uh, the people that make money at the top at Microsoft, the Bobby Kotick's of Microsoft, still exist. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's fair. It just so happens that they are making money right now, so they're happy. Um, yeah, and it, that's that's it, very fair. It it's it's it sucks, uh, and I hope that uh, you know Sony seems like a a, a company that um, is concerned you know anytime you have a major company that happens to have a gaming like division i feel like for whatever reason i don't have the economic understanding of why but they tend to be a little more like human little more human um i don't want to over i don't i don't want to like give anybody too much credit but i would hope that maybe you know, Sony would actually want to see a Jade Raymond studio produce something. And there's so much games development talent in Montreal that like, yeah, Sony Uh, would be crazy to not want to have a studio there. 
Well, it's not a Sony studio, right? And sorry, this is to get back. This is the Jade Raymond stuff. This is her new studio, oh, I it uh, was. Ha- Haven. The Sony blog put out the post, but it seems more like a Koji Pro situation where oh, okay. um, they're kind of like elevating it and bringing it to attention. But from what I read and when reading um, the blog post they put out, uh, it does not seem like yes, it is now a Sony you're right. studio. It's a, it does say independent studio. So cool. Yeah. Well, so. So I'm glad that Sony's doing that, and they are putting their weight behind it and supporting this new effort from Jade. Because, like, it, again, it's kind of like the Koji Pro situation, right? Like, Kojima uh, started a new studio, and it's like, well, obviously, Kojima is huge; he's going to get funding. But Sony, Sony basically bankrolled him and said, "Hey, we support your efforts. Let's do this." And then Death Stranding came out, and you know, for better or for worse, however you feel about oh, Death Stranding, I, yeah, it, I think it, it came great, out. So, yeah, yeah, like it came out and. A lot of people really like it. Some people don't. Whatever it came out, so it was financial so, success, from what I understand. So yeah, so Sony has a history of doing well by these kind of almost second party relationships. If you want to think of it that way, I think that's that's a good um, way to put it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I really hope Jade Raymond gets to make a game because she's so good. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and I, I think I think she probably will. And I think um, with a Sony check that it, that'll <sighs> hopefully actually happen. Because again, it 13, doesn't seem like she's not a good producer. Thirteen, thirteen could have been so good. It looks so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, and also, and, Amy, how cool would it be if Amy Hennig ended uh, up at, at her man, studio? <laughs> yeah, both of them, and then made a new Soul Reaver. Mm. You caught me mid drink. God, that's that what would I be really so want. good. Yes, uh, we need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Does Ubisoft still own that? Oh, I don't think so. I don't know who owns it. Maybe I'm googling um, it. That's got to be in Kane. some kind of. I mean, it's available on because it was Crystal so Dynamics. Uh, publisher was Crystal Dynamics, Idos, and Square. I bet Square owns it. So I guess Square owns it. Yep. Um, huh. Man. Yeah. I don't know. Again, <laughs> it's possible because it's available on on GOG. So someone yeah. is collecting money from it. Uh, so, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Square Enix Europe currently publishes those games sure i don't know what square enix is a subsidiary of square enix um, <laughs> yeah but, but i don't, I don't know, know what Wikipedia it page specifically it says that square enix has been um square enix europe has had those rights for since 2009 so i didn't know square Make enix had another a european legacy office. of kane game um, please yeah anyway um i don't know this story this twitch yeah. story I, I put it in very ambiguously because I figured I was going to say no one else, but it's just you and me at this point that you wouldn't get it. So no. um, there is a stream uh, by a streamer called Ludwig Ludwig Ogren, A H G R E N, and he started it with this kind of theory. I don't know this like um, <laughs> reward, I guess, where uh, for every sub. He would stream for he would add like another ten seconds or thirty seconds or a minute to the stream or whatever, uh, depending I think on the tier. And it got to the point where like he's like, okay, well, I'm hoping we'll get like twenty four hours out of this, you know, and like that would be amazing. And he's been doing it for several days now, and on the clock last I looked, it was like seventy hours. So like he <laughs> he the number kept growing. Like there was a point yesterday, uh, a couple days when I looked at it and it was like, yeah, this is at like 
60 hours and you know it's going down and i look the next day it's like yeah 75 hours <laughs> it's like oh this is just getting longer so it's almost turning into like a truman show type situation where he's like he switches the phone the stream to his phone and it's him making lunch or going major and working out justin with his roommate tv vibes yeah major justin tv vibes and like it's been really fascinating um it's been really cool, honestly. And like he sleeps and then when he sleeps, some of his mods take over and like they take over the stream for a little while. Yeah. So like they still keep content going. And like the community and the audience watching it have been funny. They time it so their big surges in getting more subs are when he's sleeping. So when he wakes up, <laughs> you know, he looks at it and he's just like, Oh fuck. Again. That's funny. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh but yeah, so like it's just this really funny social experiment, and uh, he's—he seems like a really good dude. Um, he, he's said that uh, like this is obviously making money; it's subs. Yeah. And he's saying that half of the money is going straight to charity, and he has That's a list good. of charities. Like, there's some trans charities uh, for um, awesome stop stop Asian hate charities. Like, like it is going towards a good cause, and then like within the other half, like a good chunk of that is going to his mods who are helping. And cool. Uh, I mean, like. He- he deserves to make some money on this as he's doing labor. I mean, he's working. This is yeah, labor. It's, but it's just such a funny concept. Like it's, 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 it's such very a good idea as a money making yeah. scheme. And it's cool to hear that he's donating some of that, uh, and paying his mods and stuff. Um, yeah. It's, so it's, it seems like it's smart. coming from a good, a good place and it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth looking at. And like, I think if you go to twitch.tv, I think it's just Ludwig L U D W I G. Uh, and you'll see the stream. I'm going to open it right now. Oh, ads. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should it's sub. It's still live. Um, I didn't yeah, get an it, ad. It's still live. It currently has 36,000 viewers. I watched it at one point and there was 70,000 viewers. Like it's I'm, it's I'm kind using, of like it's kind of like a Twitch pay, plays Pokemon type scenario. Yeah, he's I, at 68 hours. He was at like 65 I just used this morning. <laughs> my Twitch Prime sub to give him another subscription. Yeah, I think I will too. It's it's so good. It's just so funny. He has 68 um, yeah. hours on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> He's sleeping right now. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. Anyways, uh, that's all I want to talk about with that one. Is just, yeah, it's an ongoing no, thing, I didn't, and it's, it's funny. <laughs> I had no idea, and that's uh, very funny. Um, very, very funny. If it, uh, if it supports good charities, then I say go in there and force him to stream for the rest of his life. <laughs> truly have the truman show the ludwig show uh yeah that's good there's been a lot of interesting art projects on youtube and twitch and stuff in the last several months of like people playing minecraft and then if they die once they delete their youtube channel or whatever oh wow (laughs) i haven't heard that that's funny uh yeah speaking of Twitch streams, I'd like to congratulate Victoria Tran on finally beating an expert game of Minesweeper on stream. Mm. She'd been doing it for weeks. <laughs> Minesweeper's good. Why don't... Somebody should have taken Minesweeper and run with it. So, well, she, you should watch her stream. She's great. And she was talking about, like, man, a roguelike Minesweeper could be fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, what is... This is the real travesty of 2021 is i just hit the windows key and typed in minesweeper and i can't just play it right now i can't believe that same same with solitaire you have to download a separate app to play solitaire to some extent i have less of a problem with solitaire because it's a game that's existed since before computers you know oh sure yeah like it's a card game i get it but minesweeper feels like it should just it feels like it is windows to me like what is windows without minesweeper and space cadet uh pinball well 
that one is more of a time. I think that's a little <laughs> less timeless, but I also played a lot of Space Cadet Pinball and Ski Free. So, oh, Ski Free. Hell yeah. Uh, there's a there's oh, a push so within good. the no clip community to get Danny to do a Ski Free documentary. Oh man. Hopefully it'll happen. Yeah. He said something oh, about that would um, be so good. He said something recently about um, being on like a call with some European dev- or some developers in another time zone. He didn't specify European right. um, and needing a lot of coffee because he had to get up at like 4 a.m. to do this call. <laughs> and I really hope he found the people who made Ski Free because my understanding is that's the hard part is finding the people who made Ski Free. <laughs> oh, man, that would be really good. I would love that. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Thanks. I think it's going to do it for us. We still managed to fill three hour. I knew we would. I knew we would manage to get to, to, to the three hour limit. Um, I, I feel like the problem with two, the problem with six people is that, uh, um, it spreads thin. There's well, yeah. If everybody talks for 10 minutes in each segment of a six person show, you're already at two hours with like no mm-hmm. extra conversation, but with two people, three people earlier, two people. Now I feel like you can have, like really deep like back and forth conversations that are interesting to me so it's just no no winning uh so anyway thanks for listening (laughs) if you made it this far uh and uh you can follow the podcast at fix podcasts on twitter you can look forward to i assume there'll be a new episode of coding fix next week next week yeah and you can also, we're still on a bit of a hiatus from Comic Book Fix because um, we just wanted to build up a bit of a backlog of episodes and editing those because a tighter show can be a little um, tricky. So there's more, there's some time sync that goes into that. And so having sort of a um, buildup of episodes is good. And there's a bunch of comic book related stuff happening right now. So we figured we'd rather record some stuff. And then maybe when there's a little bit of a lull, then you can go back and see our thoughts on things like Lull. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Lull. Speaking of lulls, Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, <laughs> which I think you should watch. It's fun. Do you um, think I should watch? Uh, you know, actually, I I think you should put that on in the background while you're playing Final Fantasy at some point, hmm. like maybe on a second screen or something. I think you would find parts of it to be so bafflingly hilarious. Um I really cannot stress, I keep saying this in our chat, so I'm sounding like a broken record, but the music choices in that movie are fucking weird. Weird <laughs> as hell. So, yeah, I think, I don't think you would think it's good. I don't think you should sit and spend four hours of your time watching it, you specifically, <laughs> watching yeah. it attentively, but having it on in the background at kind of a low volume so that when weird music stuff happens, you can pay attention to it for a second. Sure. All right. Uh, Fair. <laughs> Uh, you can find me uh, at PJC Plays on Twitter. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me picking up a new bathroom scale. I so it's, it's hard to I shop broke, for bathroom scales. I broke my bathroom scale, and okay, well, so I don't. <laughs> there's a story behind this, and for listeners, uh, I'm not an enormous man. I'm relatively average sized. Uh, it, so it was not due to me breaking the scale with my sheer humanness. Yeah. Uh, I did this thing where I was cleaning 
uh, this thing you have to do sometimes and leaned it up against my bathtub. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to lean it this way and uh, kind of, I'm going to go back and grab my mop. And I walked out the door for about one second and I heard, and then I heard, because <laughs> it's a tempered glass thing. And I turn around and the thing is just, shattered and exploded all over my goddamn bathroom floor oh, with all this glass. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Ouch. So, yeah, so there was just glass shards everywhere, so I spent like half an hour to an hour cleaning up glass <laughs> shards out of my bathroom floor and bath mat yesterday. <laughs> the thing I hate about scale shopping <laughs> is I still haven't found a skill that I like, but I feel like I can't buy another one because I already have yeah. two. What am I going to do? Throw one in the garbage? That feels like a bad thing to do. Well, do do what I did and lean it up against the bathtub. Apparently, if it's tempered glass, oh, it's not. <laughs> I'll, I'll also uh, say I'm not going to get another tempered glass scale. That's a good idea. I, I don't know if like I feel like maybe I could just like <clears throat> leave it by the recycling bin and maybe somebody needs a scale. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Bring it to a Whatever. goodwill. Yeah, true. That's probably the best way to get rid of it. Um. All right. Well, I've been anyways looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at monitors. I might buy a monitor soon. Playing a game last night, it's like had my face inches from the screen, squinting at it, and I was like, you know, I bet if I had a nicer monitor, I'd be able to see this man running through a field 200 yards away that I'd like to fire this rifle at. <laughs> <laughs> hit me with your hit me at PJC plays with your monitor recommendations because I can't. They're hard to shop for. They are COVID when I can't look at it. And there's lots of them. Yes. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Join us next week once again. And thank you all for listening. I'm not going to say any of Andre's catchphrases, but you know what he would say here. Yeah. Also, by the way, you can find Sam at SGCH. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Fine. Fine. But yes, you can. (laughs) He's had some, he's had a good tweet, Twitter tweet week with uh, some good some good Zack Snyder's Justice League takes and I recommend you you follow him to get those. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. Have a good weekend and a good week and a good life. Yeah. Alright. Bye. <laughs>